0: Right here on Monday night,
1: you want a war? You're gonna get one. You fans can stick it, brother. Brett screwed Brett. This is bullshit. And I also appreciate the fact that hell, you can kiss my ass. Hello everyone
2: and welcome to the 90th Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Limo O'Rourke alongside Carl Jones. I've literally done nothing for two weeks. And Ciarán
0: O'Rourke. Now. <laughs>
2: And we are back this week to return to the Monday Night War timeline. uh, We're talking July and August of 1998. Been doing these timeline shows for quite some time now, looking at Raw and Nitro uh, for WCW and the WWF. Uh, As always, we have notes from the Wrestling Observer newsletters of the time to discuss as we talk about this period of time. Uh, Always love doing these timeline shows, some of my favourite shows that we do uh, here at Squared Circle Gazette Radio. And if you haven't heard any of our previous timelines, you can, of course, go back to the archives at squaredcirclegazette.com to hear any previous timeline shows or any previous shows at all that we've done, uh, and I love doing these, so many revelations come uh, come to uh, come to light, fresh perspective, looking at this with the Wrestling Observer Newsletter's notes from the period of time, and of course uh, going back and reliving some of this stuff, so it's going to be a lot of fun, tons of notes to get to today gentlemen, so uh, as we left it, uh, WWF were kind of in the lead, they were doing pretty well, WCW's kind of on the back foot a little bit, uh, they're looking for a, for a bit of a ray of light, a ray of sunshine in there, dark and dreary outlook Uh, the WWF's on the uh, highway to hell they got Austin and Undertaker kind of started they're kind of moving in that direction but there was something on uh, the last uh, episode of Raw that we talked about Uh, that comes up here in the first notes from the Observer as we break into July. Lots of talk about the brawl for all. Uh, The idea behind this tournament, which appears on paper to be a form to get Steve Williams over as a contender for Steve Austin in the fall, based on being a legitimately tough individual, is to add a new dimension to television that would get people talking and theoretically draw ratings, and perhaps get wrestlers who aren't over a chance to make their own break with a strong showing. Nobody was forced to enter, and the wrestlers are getting paid extra for doing these shoots, supposedly with $5,000 going to the winners of every match, $2,500 to the losers, and a $75,000 bonus going to the winner of the tournament final. None of the top stars were invited to enter because they would have something to lose by being exposed, and Ken Shamrock and Dan Seven were kept out for obvious reasons. The brother, when this first hit the screens,
3: what were your first thoughts? what is this I'm watching I've put Roar on and I'm getting what looks like shitty boxing
0: <laughs> which is pretty much the consensus from the live crowd for the majority of these fights lots of we want wrestling chants that's boring boring, boring yeah. chants and they were, it was just I mean, it was so embarrassing so many levels first of all the format is shit it's three one minute rounds so like the round starts and then it's over yeah but despite that they still managed to get gas after like one round <laughs> um The rules are they wear boxing gloves. It's, uh, was it five points for the most punches landed in a round? Yes. Five points per takedown. Mm -hmm. Although, when they do a takedown, that's it. Yep. Can't do anything else. So, what's the point in that? Um, And then, ten points is it to. uh, For a knockdown. For a knockdown, yeah. Yes. Um, As Carl said, absolute piss poor (laughs) technique. Bad techers.
3: And just looking at some of the people that they use, you know, the Mark Canterbury's of this world, Godfather, you know, I don't want to say, you know, not all wrestlers are slobs or anything by any means, but we're talking about a guy that doesn't necessarily have the best cardiovascular on the roster.
0: I will say fair play to Godfather. He's like probably got better technique than most of them. Yeah, I was there's one, say. There's one fight, I think it's him and Savio. Is it him and Savio? Uh, Scorpio? Scorpio, sorry, yeah. And uh, Scorpio's. Trying to keep his distance, and it actually looks like a proper fight. Yeah. Like the punches have got better form, so that wasn't completely embarrassing. I mean, it gets entertaining about (laughs) about halfway through this month just because of what happens. Yeah. And the crowd starts after the first knockout. People start, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of funny watching wrestlers got knocked the fuck out. (laughs) But it's like, okay. It's just on a wrestling show where you've got all this stuff happening in the matches. And these shitty three-minute fights and one punch knock in the guy—it's just you know, what's he doing on the same show? Wrestling,
3: considering the, the the sort of the the style of television that the company's presenting at the time, you know, outlandish outrageous, you know, hundred miles an hour. And everything just comes to a grinding hole in these shows with the Yeah, you know, the, They turn it, the lights down. They turn the lights down. <laughs> it takes the crowd completely out of their element. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> The music doesn't do it for me either. As much as it sounds as a, like a porn gone wrong. Um, I find the, the description interesting there, Liam, in the sense of they they clearly knew there were some issues with this. Because they were keeping the top guys out of it. Yes. But they thought that. They could still use it as a vehicle to get Steve,
2: (laughs) a top guy over. Realistically?
3: <laughs> can you see where I, where I was going with that? Oh yeah. Be... oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. It is a bit of a, a counterproductive uh, mentality. Realistically, says Dave Meltzer, a little bit of a precursor here, the only person with something to lose out of all of this is Steve Williams. <laughs> well, there you go. Since he's being brought in with the opportunity to be a headliner and a title contender, and if he were to be exposed the way Mero was, he'd be dead in the water because his low marketing trait is that he can be promoted as a legitimately tough guy. Of course, Mero in the first... Uh, before I against mean, Blatman's got taken down at will and uh, just got completely outscored.
3: I was going to say I don't recall Doctor Death letting Sable powerbomb him. Well, we'll
2: come to this. <laughs> we'll come to this shortly. Uh, the July second Thunder. Uh, is worth a mention here we don't usually mention thunder unless there's a, a notable occurrence and there is here tony shivani interviewed jj Dillon, who announced that hulk hogan versus bill goldberg will take place on Nitro in a world title match and the crowd goes bonkers uh, for this announcement so this is wcw's response uh panic fire if you will it, it, it was proposed as a dark match by hogan and uh now it has it's, it's going to be on tv world title match: goldberg versus hogan
3: Yeah, and I I always love Big Bill's explanation for this. We gave it three days press and we got 40,000 in the Georgia Dome. Imagine what we'd have done if we'd have advertised it more ahead of time. As if no one was going three days (laughs) before.
2: Interesting side note here. The original plan for SummerSlam was Merrow and Jacqueline against Sable and Butterbean. Butterbean was gonna be dusted off of mothballs
3: here. <laughs> they were gonna get out the old uh, the old tape reel from DX in your house, were
2: they? That's the one. Mm. They 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 thought instead. I guess they'd save for something special down the line. So more on that in another oh, time. Oh, wonderful. Right? Yeah, uh, the WWF was readily acknowledging this week that it's erred in its presentation of Stephen Regal's debut on the uh, the final Raw in July of course, in June, excuse me uh, this being of course the one where he debuted with Sable on commentary, Vince introduced Regal he wrestled Draws, uh, a very f- often forgotten debut from, from Regal uh, and he's off TV here he, he doesn't come back on, I think he breaks his ankle shortly after this and he's off TV until he becomes a real man's man um, we move now to the July 6th the Raw, the first Raw in Nitro uh, of this timeline we kick it off with Vincent Mann announcing Austin and Undertaker against Mankind and Kane for fully loaded and uh, Austin is furious about having to join up with the Undertaker as a tag team uh, so that's kind of the premise that we're looking at here for fully loaded he doesn't trust the Undertaker uh, and also in uh, Brawl for All matches this week we get Droz versus Hawk and Savio versus Bracus Bracus who's been coming to the WF he's <laughs> coming from Deutschland he's been on foot apparently because <laughs> it took him that long to get there and, 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 he, and he, gets, he gets smashed here by Savio and uh, Droz beats Hawk on points but uh, yeah so th- th- thoughts on the show so far we'll get to th- there's some more stuff coming up on this show uh, we'll talk about it's a
0: bit because um, the announcement it starts off just. I think Taker calls out Austin so Austin being the man the man the real man's man he is storms out and gets ready for a fight Um then Vince Vince uh, curtails that and says you want to be action t- in action together we'll do a tag match at the pay-per-view and it's like oh well <laughs> imagine if they did that these days <laughs> so, yeah um <laughs> Take was always going to become number one contender anyway so it was just making the tag match before the number one t- contendership it was just a bit I know, just a a bit stodgy for me. Hmm, okay, fair
2: enough. Uh, Also on the show, speaking of stodgy, King Mabel shows up and attacks Ken Shamrock, then loses to him on the same show with the ankle lock, and that's pretty much the end of Mabel. So he comes in here, Shamrock's just won King of the Ring, he'd done the King of Kings three-way the week before, so this is the continuation of trying to prove that Ken Shamrock is the ultimate King of the Ring by beating Mabel. Uh, Also on the show, DX impersonates the nation, a, a, a segment that's been heavily covered by WWF over the years.
3: And incredibly romanticised by the company as well. Are you not fond? It has its moments. You know, Jason's sensation is is quite funny. Um, it's probably one of the few redeeming things that the Road Dogs ever done, being below. Um, well, that Miz That Miz how he gets his pegs all the way around. <laughs> yeah. It it has its moments, but it it's the fact of. It's, Let's hear it's, it. It's Triple H front and center, ah. and he just sticks out like a sore thumb to me. Am, am I the only one that thinks this, or is it just oh, he's got no charisma? It's so so forced, yeah. so contrived coming from him. Nothing nothing seems natural.
2: The was the, 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 the humor the people's elbow, then to continue doing his promo in the middle of it. That made me chuckle a little bit. But uh, his actual lines were just like the worst. Yeah. The
3: croc. Mm. Mm. Well, he,
0: he dips between croc and rock, doesn't he? I think he loses himself. Mm. The best line is when. Uh, Mizark says about you smell what the rock is cooking, he goes, it smells like shit to me. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, facts good
2: here. Uh now and of course we then get to Vince McMahon announcing the three with The Undertaker Kane and Mankind to determine who will face Steve Austin in the future probably at SummerSlam uh, The Undertaker no-shows the Triple Threat match Mankind refuses to wrestle Kane because obviously they're aligned uh, McMahon orders the match to be a false count anywhere and orders Kane to attack Mankind when Kane does and destroys Mankind uh, and pins him he takes the mask off revealing The Undertaker Steve Austin at the country desk throws his headset off to the end of the show it pretty much cuts to black immediately if I recall correctly but uh, this is again
0: cahoots cahoots yeah this is, yeah, this is the, the real cahoots and obviously they didn't mention it on the show because they, they they cut to black straight away but it's then the next week when they're actually uh, logic in a wrestling show how did he get Kane's outfit yeah yeah so that's the, well, so that's the next week when I saw that um, it was well done they kept but, it in but the follow up matters <laughs> yeah exactly the um, the uh, it was it was well done because I completely forgot about it um, I was wondering why they've let they left the lights
2: were they red they left the lights the lights red the old Sin Cara red mood lighting so, yeah. but they'd originally done that for K when he first came in so yeah they brought it back for this in a very kind of odd placement and of course it then makes sense why at the end because they're trying to disguise the fact that it's the Undertaker mm-hmm. So yeah, good stuff here uh, over on Nitro it is of course the Georgia Dome Nitro the largest crowd and gate in the history of the company 41,412 people for a gate of $906,000 the fourth largest crowd for pro wrestling ever in the US at this point uh, Dennis Rodman was supposed to be there but no showed uh, so that only seems appropriate when you can see no-show practice for the balls <laughs> that's come to Nitro I think in the previous weeks um, so they built the show around Goldberg from start to finish uh, they showed clips of him warming up throughout the show and uh, also some comments from the Georgia, yeah, the Georgia fans about what they expected was going to happen with Goldberg and Hogan which I don't know if anybody wants to chime in on these thoughts that were uh, aired on Nitro uh,
3: sons of the south
2: made me appreciate the accuracy of Ready to Rumble <laughs>
0: just a little bit more.
2: It's a shame. I'm sure there are plenty of intelligent people in Atlanta, Georgia. Unfortunately, none oh, of them I, were aired was, on, on these on these uh, fan takes for who was going to win. Well,
3: it's, it's one of those typical things, isn't it? And it'd be the same if it was you know someone in our country from the region we all live in. It, it's that same thing. The British
2: Bulldog's going to win whether he likes it or not.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and you just sit there and think, that, surely to God that wasn't the best they could find <laughs> they just feel the need to perpetuate the stereotype about all of us um, I'm, I'm curious do we do we have an idea of, of the breakdown in numbers in terms of prior to the Goldberg announcement and, and post that match being announced
2: when uh, no unfortunately not but the, the, the key is that when and we talked about this on the last timeline if I remember rightly they sold the ticket they sold about 20,000 tickets to the Georgian before they announced the dark match they announced the dark match and it sold about 4,000 more tickets so there was a ton of walk up. so it is fair to say that this probably did do a considerable amount the, the live gate which set the record
3: that's why I was wondering because I, I, I just wondered you know if they had had say 30,000 for argument's sake pr- prior to that announcement. I'd argue it's cer- it's certainly worth well I think it would have been anyway if you look at pay per view buys and the money that would've generated. But it would have been worth holding off for a pay per view. <laughs> for God's sake. <laughs> but it just I, I've always been of the impression it's Goldberg Hogan is the is the ninety eight star K main of Oh
2: yeah. To me. Yeah. Um, Hogan states that Goldberg could only get a title shot if he first beat an NWO Black and White member that people haven't seen for a while, which turned out to be Scott Hall. Uh, Goldberg killed him in short order, but this match is fucking putrid. By the way, on a rewatch, they, oh. they, just, they just can't get on the same page at all.
3: No, it makes me wonder if uh, if Scott was having one of those bad nights. Bad mm, I, 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 nights. Nice. Well, uh, good dip- so good. yeah, depending on your perspective. No, but I, I say that sincerely. You know, even Nash has mentioned stories in the past about him turning up to him and Hall turn up to Nitro not being in there not being in condition to perform <laughs> hence the end. was Nash ever <laughs> well yeah I was going to say depends on, depends on what, you, uh, what you would describe as being in condition I suppose Yeah. heart, heart and, murmurs and, and, and all.
0: perform that's a, that's <laughs> yeah. a subjective term <laughs> in <is>. absolutely <laughs> so yeah so this, uh,
2: this Goldberg Hall match ends with the, the disciple walking out and DDP and Karl Malone uh, striking him in the back with a steel chair now DDP's chair hits Beefcake in the back of the head and splits him open which leads to a heated debate backstage heated argument between uh, the booty man And uh, Diamond Dallas Page. So, uh, also, I know, I know. Also on the show, Bagwell comes out to a thunderous ovation. This is his first appearance since the broken neck. He comes out in a wheelchair, and in uh, Dave Meltzer's words, did a Ric Flair caliber interview. Uh, never said that he would be coming back to wrestle uh, and talked about nearly dying twice but this is actually a, a very good promo a lot of, a lot of sympathy on uh, on Marcus here of course this is the debut of Judy Bagwell Carl which I'm sure sours you somewhat she didn't arrive right? on a
3: forklift did she
2: no no, no. but uh, you know, it, it's buff you know, giving props to his Atlanta fans and stuff like that and you did get the sense of you know what this guy there's a baby fa- I mean granted it's in his hometown but there's a babyface thing here. There's a lot of legitimate sympathy. It,
3: it's something you could certainly try and run with and see where it goes.
2: Well, let's see what they did with it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, in the main event, it has to be talked about Bill Goldberg. The undefeated Bill Goldberg pins Hulk Hogan in and, in without question, one of the biggest pops in the history of the business, says Dave Manson. This is pretty incredible. Goldberg beating Hogan clean, well, pretty much clean,
3: I mean, as, it's, as clean as you're ever going to get with Hogan.
2: At yeah, that point exactly. So it's like this is—I mean, this this was the a uh, landmark moment. I remember we, we Kieran, if I recall, we went on holiday right after King of the Ring and came back to fight to see this. or at least uh, to find out that Goldberg had beaten Hogan, which was just kind of jaw dropping. It's like what? What? It's like now he's the champion. He beat Hogan. It was just all of a sudden this guy's shot to the top and 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 just crazy. But fucking hell that pop
0: was insane.
3: Oh yeah. And it's, no, just to follow it's before you even get to the pop where he wins, it's when he lifts him for the jackhammer. It's even before that. It's even before that. But but it's just the way, when when he lifts him for the jackhammer, and it pans out, and as he lifts to get in the vertical super exposition, the arms all go up The toilet all yeah. comes flying in.
2: Even before that, I, I love the scene where Goldberg's in the ring and he's crouched with a spear, and you can just see people in the front row spot go, like their attention turns from DDP
0: and Malone on the floor to Goldberg. And they all just pointing. start pointing like, "Oh my god, he's gonna do it! He's gonna get him!" Well, that's the thing because we've talked about—I mean, on every timeline show—how repetitive and with bullshit finishes of Nitro uh, seems, seems to be every week. It's like, yeah, the extra little thing that helps Goldberg. Creating an aura because yeah it was an impromptu thing deal but fuck he actually did it yeah it's like we've got a payoff well, yep. it wasn't a payoff to anything that lasted more than obviously three days <laughs> so but be, been would have been interested if they'd actually had built it uh, with Goldberg as the focus challenger move towards that direction <laughs> they've got more long term benefits on the ratings never mind the, the giant pay per view revenue they would have done yeah, would it have been actually more productive in the long run just to you know have him chase a little bit?
3: Drip, sort of drip feed it. Yeah, you so know, you just imagine sort of in a perfect world, you have a standoff of some kind of the Georgia Dome to wet the appetite and then go from there. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it is what it is, and they they pissed away a hell of a lot of paper per view money in the process. But you know, after the last timeline where I, I wasn't particularly kind about anything that uh, WCW were producing during the during the uh, the time period. I'll, I'll at least give him you know, a little hat tip here and say you know that was a good spectacle if, if nothing else and Bobby Heenan oh he's great he, seems to, you know, he, so he just seemed to switch on whenever whenever Goldberg was there and put him over like a million dollars he's great and the sort of the, 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 the energy in his voice you know, Get pick him up mm. he can do it he gets him <laughs> up it's <laughs> supposed to go crazy when he
2: picks him up yeah The original plans formulated by Hogan were for this to be non-title, non-televised match, but plans were officially changed as a response to the previous week's ratings. Uh, The current plans, subject to change in the next panic attack, are for Goldberg (laughs) to keep the title for the time being because of the feeling that Goldberg could be the man in this business and to not screw it up as they did with Sting. Hogan still had no problem doing the job the right way for Goldberg, but in return apparently got the promise of being, when the time is right, the person to end Goldberg's winning streak this does derail planned matches with Kevin Nash and Bret Hart for Hogan that were being built up for months but oh well it's a story
3: of Bret's run
2: really <laughs> uh, of course Nitro here breaks Raw's 5 week winning streak with a 4.9 to Raw's 4.0 uh, the final quarter hour did a combined 10.75 rating uh, for an 18.3 share Uh, the Hogan vs. Goldberg title change and was the first quarter hour in the history of pro wrestling on cable to reach 5 million homes and did the record 6.9 quarter hour incredible stuff (laughs) WCW probably pat themselves on the back and thinking they've they've, they've got it now, it's in the bag
0: to quote uh, Harvey Keitel from, uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh, let's not start sucking each other's dicks just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much.
2: Uh, Plan for next week in the Brawl for All is Kama Mustafa versus a to be debuting Sean Stasiak, which sadly did not happen. You couldn't have got the chance to beat the meat. <laughs> <laughs> July 12th we moved to WCW Bash at the Beach that's right there was a pay per view <laughs> days after the Goldberg title win but oh well 10,000 95 fans sell out the building a 1.5 buy rate for 525,000 buys of course this was for the Hogan robin vs. DDP Malone fiasco <laughs> Hogan came in and insisted that his match be given 45 minutes the main event was a disaster uh, they had a dry run the previous day of the match and everyone involved figured the match was going to surprise everyone Rodman then showed up in no condition to perform. Uh, Rodman put his head down on the turnbuckle and it almost appeared as if he was going to take a nap at one point. Uh, the media attention was huge, particularly in the days leading to this match. But this this needs to be mentioned because what a fiasco this is. Come on, you're, you're a Bulls fan, Carl. Come on, defend defend Rodzilla here, if you will. I'm
3: not going to defend Rodzilla. The important thing is the pool has got rings that year. <laughs> I don't care about WCW's buy rates. We beat the Jazz. 45 minutes you want, to, you want to shade a good 30 off that possibly more
0: say it would have been any funnier if like Rodman actually had like pissed himself yeah like, when he fell asleep he yeah. may have done he may, he may, have. He may have
3: done it, it did at least lead to that one great JR line of we think celebrities should be uh, athletes should be kept on the hardwood and outside it's mm. <laughs> the <That's
1: quite laughs> simple <laughs>
2: Uh, no match for Kevin Nash on this pay-per-view he's in the doghouse him and Hogan have had a big bust up obviously in the, uh, the previous uh, ti- episode of the timeline that we talked about last time uh, Rey Mysterio Jr. returns after being out for about six months uh, huge knee brace here but he wins the Cruiserweight title beating Chris Jericho uh, but that's very short lived title reign but Rey's back
3: yeah I'm just curious you've you've yet to mention uh, what Goldberg did on this pay-per-view mm-hmm. as, the, as the newly minted WCW champion it was Kurt Hennig I believe <laughs> Kurt
0: Hennig um, in the semi-main, was that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. <laughs> Tremendous.
3: Yeah, yeah. It, it's probably worth pointing out. I know we'll get to it later in the line, but just think. Goldberg's made the champ, and I don't think he main events a pay-per-view until... And I use the term main event loosely here, because it's Halloween Havoc against DDP, and we all know what the uh, really the advertised main event of that was. So The strap may be on a different person, but I'm sure, as we'll see, the focus not necessarily so oh, reminiscent of Sting
2: well, the, well well, you see Kieran they don't want to do what they did with the Sting this time yeah. so let's see what steps they much like how the WWE is currently doing a, a, a brand extension and doing the same things they did before and hoping for a different result we'll see, let's see let's move to the next night, the afternoon of the July 13th Raw WWF asked Dan Seven and Ken Shamrock to participate in the Brawl for All just before the TV taping started uh, Seven uh, accepted with zero notice while Shamrock declined so uh, Dan Seven, with one day's notice, does this fight against uh, the Godfather. Uh, and it's a, bit, it's a complete fiasco. It's just as obvious that Seven wasn't clear what this was and what he was doing, because every time he took Karma down, he tried to pin him. And at the end, he even tried to submit him. Uh, the Godfather was visibly upset after the match, because Seven was trying submissions and not letting him up after taking him down, which were against the rules. And Karma refused to shake his hand after the match in frustration. Of course, there are, we want wrestling chants. Mm. Uh, for this match but yeah well you don't even fucking know the rules <laughs> you are second guy out there one day's notice because Sean Stasiak fell through I guess not <laughs> I don't know uh, the big news here for you Kieran Sean Michaels returns yeah on commentary
1: no
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: why come on honest opinion Sean on commentary what did you think
3: I just love seeing Sean and hearing his voice again I I can only surmise it was one of two things he's just absolutely terrible as a commentator mm-hmm. or he still hopped up on his back medicine.
0: <laughs> his back medicine? Capcom was kind of as a face, obviously. He's re- yeah, returning of course. Here. But you know, you can hear us for that, because. Um, we haven't seen you in a while, Pop. Yeah, it was uh, just a real weird dynamic of, like, why is he even there?
3: It, it, sort of, it always struck me as a sense of Vince sat there one day and thought, you know what, we're still paying him. <laughs> let's Let's just use him for something.
2: Mankind and Kane win the tag team titles from the New Age Outlaws on this show. Uh, so a bit of a shift there from the Outlaws Kane and Mankind get the belts and a, a big scenario comes about where the Outlaws DX are very unhappy with this turn of events, and they ask for a rematch that night which is a set up for the main event. Uh, in other news on the show Val Venus comes out and did a promo showing Mrs. Yamaguchi-san under the sheets with him in the video Land of the Rising Venus I believe. She's 17 <laughs> years old at the time just so everybody knows. She's actually underage by American standards so uh...
0: I'm not in America <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Yamaguchi-san it was funny as balls oh yeah Wally Yamaguchi is oh, great oh man when he, uh, is, uh, is it the next week when he's got these <laughs> the, paddle? <laughs> t- he's got the paddle he's got the paddle he the tie around his head he starts yeah. to yeah. the paddle swivel man uh, uh. and they all do it with him yeah <laughs> <All the time. laughs>
2: good stuff uh, McMahon comes out and calls out the Undertaker and asks if he's in cahoots with Kane Taker tells him to go to hell Austin shows up and asks him the same thing Taker says the same thing uh, DX asks for the rematch which we mentioned before but this time it's going to have Austin and Taker as referees on the outside uh, the match ends in a schmaz but it's just notable for one thing that I've written down here in all capital letters it was an absolute disgrace Road Dogg at one point rolls up Kane for the visionary fall the road dog The real double J Rolls up Kane The monster And there's no one To count the pin till Austin hits the ring To make the count Taker pulls him out and, uh, and then Austin Just starts stunning Everybody to end the show oh,
0: That was quite great
2: It was That was glorious When you when you got you know, Fodder in the ring To take all these stunners It's always great But uh, over on Nitro Obviously this is the fallout One week after Goldberg's big triumphant win Hogan blames Scott Hall for losing to Goldberg Hogan versus Hall with Eric Bischoff as the referee uh, Jericho gets his cruiserweight title back in the conference with Dylan, Malenko and Mysterio complaining that it was a, a surprise opponent and therefore the belt shouldn't have been on the line C-
3: Continuing Jericho's uh, great verbal stint at this point His conspiracy victim oh, stuff. Oh, he was fantastic The, the WCW rulebook <laughs> oh, <laughs> what, what a brilliant and sharp mind that man had
2: Marcus Bagwell came out in a wheelchair and called out Rick Steiner, but before he could actually say anything to Rick Steiner, the person who injured him, of course, uh, Hogan and the disciple showed up with Hogan browbeating Bagwell, shoving him out of his wheelchair. So uh, Bagwell takes a bump for Hogan in his wheelchair here. Uh, Meltzer writes that if it was it was right at this moment when I realized WCW is going to lose Mondays consistently. If there was any message that last week should have shown, it's that the face of WCW was no longer Hogan. It was Goldberg. Instead, we get a pay per view show ruined by Hogan and a TV show designed as nothing but a personal vehicle
3: once again for Hulk Hogan. So uh, yeah, Hogan's everywhere. It's the sort of things he's he's got to be promised to drop the belt in the first place. But can't you just picture you know? the orange goblin in his Machiavellian mind before he goes out to wrestle Goldberg he sees the pop that Bagwell gets the week before I can glum on that I can get that I can get some Terry (laughs) terrible stank on that (laughs) Uh,
2: Rey Mysterio against Dean Malenko beats him in a really fun match uh, Hulk Hogan and Scott Hall wrestle to a no contest in a match even worse than the pay-per-view match the night before ungodly bad reminds uh, <laughs> Dave Meltzer uh, the disciple attacks Scott Hall DDP attacks Bischoff Hogan and the disciple beat up Page and Hall until Nash comes in for the save in which point Hall turns on Nash because it was of course a plan all along there we can't even blame this on Russo <laughs> I can't even blame it on Russo of course actually I, I, I'm corrected Goldberg versus Hennig closes the show and it goes 80 seconds
0: well, at least got the main event. At
2: least got the main event this time.
3: It's, it's a Hogan show again. Yeah. Uh, Just like the turn of the year. <laughs> and the spring of 97. <laughs> and some of the summer of 97. Don't forget
2: 99. Let's see oh, how this worked God. out. Raw did a 4.65 to Nitro's 4.5. <laughs> so oh. that, 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 brandy, one week it lasted. One week.
3: Yesterday. Oh, <laughs> my trouble seems so far away.
2: <laughs> this was by far the biggest week in the history of WCW however as not only did they do the second best pay-per-view buy rate in company history but over the 8 day period they ran 6 house shows which totaled 2 million dollars so you're talking about a 9 million dollar week which puts the Monday Night Ratings War into perspective about what it really means aside from being the weekly measuring stick of everybody's ego so uh, a <laughs> big week here for WCW as Meltzer kind of decries the fact the focus on ratings
3: I can, I can imagine that in a, in a- copy of tv guide magazine tune in for this week's pissing contest Chris Benoit suffered
2: some sort of an injury believed to be a fractured elbow and the sketch reports are that he would be out of action for a month or two Ultimo Dragon will also be undergoing a few minor operations scheduled for uh, July 21st because he's got bad elbows and will be out of action for at least one month uh, unfortunately that at least one month would turn out to be somewhere in the neighborhood of about five years if I'm uh, not mistaken this is gonna, the end of him in WCW I was
3: going to say my, my last memory of him in WCW was Slamboree against Guerrero though I could be wrong
2: yeah I think, I, I think he, beat, uh, he beat like some fucking jabroni in like three minutes minutes on Nitro in, okay. in the previous weeks. Uh, Steve Austin had a photo shoot this past week for the cover of TV Guide, which considering the visibility of that weekly is huge. The day Austin's photo hits the stand, says Meltzer, it's the official sign to the mainstream that Hogan is done, because the wrestler made a major mainstream cover that virtually everyone that goes shopping, whether they buy it or not, will see, and it wasn't Hogan. Therefore Hogan officially becomes yesterday's news. Uh, July 17th, Jay Leno agrees to do the next WCW pay-per-view as a main event participant. Uh, the believed likelihood that Leno would do the show was the method to the madness that led to Bischoff having WCW buy a Tonight Show-like set and do what was originally planned to be a weekly deal on Nitro where Bischoff would do a horrible Leno spoof. Uh, the match pretty much had to take place in Sturgis since the Sturgis value was part of the selling point in getting Leno apparently the two nights with Hogan, Rodman, Paige and Malone doing the Jay Leno Tonight Show uh, drew higher than usual ratings for the Tonight Show so Leno was also willing to do his own pro wrestling angle if it would help his own ratings so uh, unfortunately as a result of yeah, doing like, the Carl Malone, Dennis Rodman stuff on Leno Leno now wants to be a part of Nitro and Bischoff goes along with it
3: I almost don't. I I don't want to use the phrase "too much of a good thing" because the Rodman thing wasn't a good thing. But it's just
2: on paper, it was a good idea. Did a one point five buy rate. Yeah, did a huge buy rate. You can't complain about that. It's just that thing again. This is it's going to the well and almost missing exactly why
3: that worked. That they are actually athletes helps. Mm. And and the well's not so much dry at this point as it's been demolished and backfilled.
2: Uh, at last report Ric Flair was still in the lead in the online voting for Time Magazine's Man of the Century uh, Flair had around 50,000 votes compared to 38,000 for second place Adolf
3: Hitler <laughs>
0: <laughs> who no doubt the Harris Boys vote for <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly we laugh but he did make the cover of Time Magazine as one of their men of the year in the 1930s
0: <laughs> oh shit happened between then and now though
2: yeah. uh, July 20th episode of Raw d Brown pins Triple H to win the European title smiles will fill the room oh you
3: better recognise
2: <laughs> <laughs> the rock is in the rock bottom but I was really happy with this because this is like the, I like D-Lo at this point he had the chest protector oh, great what gimmick a wonderful gimmick and it's just like you like D-Lo he's the underneath guy in the nation pretty much and then it's like hey D-Lo's got a belt and the European title had been held by like prominent guys up to this point, so this was this
3: felt quite good. Yeah, Dilo gets a, a bit of the rub. He's you know he's high fiving with the Rock. Rock's got a beautiful smile there, <laughs> hugging. It's a beautiful D- moment. Dilo's like surprised. He's not looking at yeah. him like, I won. I
2: got the belt. Yeah, uh, Val Venus saves Mrs Yamaguchi from a paddling. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's a paddling. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, we mentioned this before. Hilarious segment here, but uh, good stuff. We also get the debut of Dr. Death in the Brawl for All who beats the one-eyed Pierre Roulette smashes him and this is actually the first Brawl for All where the fans seem to get into a little bit as Doctor he, just destroys
0: him I don't think it was someone who's I might be wrong Doc destroying him I thought he was over himself when he came out
3: Yeah It's that sadistic entertaining notion we're going to see the one-eyed guy get the shit beat out of him <laughs>
0: <laughs> This was so unfair this is silly, you can't
2: see punches out one side. <laughs> oh, things a mess. It's a disaster. And look, by the end of it, poor Pierre just looks like, he, it's like he's just walking around the ring. He just wants to be anywhere but where he is. And Doc just keeps running him, punching him in the face. <laughs> Unprotected. He doesn't, doesn't get knocked out, bless him, but he he tries, but he he's, he gives it up by the end. Doc's
0: punches are fucking shit,
2: so Oh, yeah, it's all arms. Yeah. All arms in those punches. Uh, also, we see tape. We don't see the full fight of two cold Scorpio beating eight ball. Uh, in a broad format so there's one for the white supremacists <laughs> uh, Steve Blackman beats Jeff Jarrett uh, Dan Seven and Ken Shamrock are in Blackman's corner so they're going back to the shooters group concept that we thought about in the last timeline the idea of the shooters in the main event we get Steve Austin versus Kane and Mankind which ends when uh, The Undertaker shows up and accidentally hits Kane with a chair it looks like he's going for Austin uh, but Austin kind of sidesteps Kane gets it with a chair and you're kind of left wondering, did Kane, did you mean to hit Kane? Did you mean to hit Austin? What are we What are we expecting here?
0: And the show goes off the air. The question's lingering. Yeah. should say as well, um, Austin again is coming out usually two, three times on the show. Oh, yeah. And it complete, he completely pisses over the uh, common uh, theory that you lose your pop when you come out in this urban the third, show. Because yeah. every single time. He is beloved. Visceral cheers. He's back again. Yes, and like and in that when it's someone is in the ring with a loose connection to Austin, like McMahon, Taker, or whoever, or they reference him, does the Austin to start up? And it's just it's just beautiful. It's great to witness Uh, Over on Nitro they said that the
2: arena is the house that Goldberg built Since Goldberg's Nitro debut was actually in the same building Naturally to make perfect sense out of this Goldberg never appeared on the show Uh, Bagwell uh, tells Rick Steiner that it wasn't his fault He has the heartfelt speech in the wheelchair It wasn't his fault Uh, Scott Steiner comes out and attacks Rick Uh, Bagwell gets up, takes the chair away, he's very upset And then then (coughs) hits Rick Steiner with a chair, rips off his shirt And he's wearing an NWO shirt underneath he's just another heel and that's the end of Buff Bagwell as a potential big star
3: my heart's not exactly broken about that though (laughs) My, my brain does just hurt at the just at the logic behind what they did
2: Uh, Bischoff's Tonight Show, Seth, was back this week. He did Jay Leno's uh, monologue from the Friday before and uh, cracked a few chin jokes with awful canned laughter uh, that you could see the people who paid wrestling tickets in the background wanted to commit homicide, suicide, genocide, or at the very least, a very violent castration, says Dave
3: (laughs) Meltzer. Well, between between his Leno set and the Brawl for All, I'm surprised it wasn't a peasant revolt at some stage. (laughs) I think
0: people would rather watch the Brawl for All than this, though, so...
3: In the first
2: hour, they had exactly 3 minutes 29 seconds of wrestling, and it was squash matches with Stevie Ray and Mongo McMichael. So, a thrilling first oh. hour here. Uh, however, to counteract this, Scott Hall and the Giant win the tag titles from Kevin Ashton and Sting uh, in a great match, great heat here for this match. Um, we get uh, Bret Hart and Sting start like, a very bizarre storyline here where Bret Hart kind of acts as if he's kind of tied between Sting and Hogan and the morality stakes. Very odd stuff here. Of course, Scott Hall takes advantage outside his edge. New tag team champions Hall and Giants So it's a decent match, but it's made by the fact that the crowd is going they're molten hot for the whole thing. The main event is Bret Hart versus Diamond Dallas Page. He did an angle earlier in the show where DDP gets injured, and then later in the show they do the match. Page hobbles out, but there's no time left, so it's a two-minute match, and Bret wins by submission. <laughs> so DDP, who by the way won at Bash at the Beach in this huge match, teamed with Carl Malone against Hogan and Rodman, and here he is losing in two minutes to
3: Bret heart he loses in two minutes Goldberg's not on the show Bagwell's turned heel and is back with the NWO black and white and the NWO black and white also have the tag belts yes hmm so much for evolution (laughs) Uh, it is a mystery call
2: Yes, um, as we'll see here because Raw did a 5.0 to, the night to his 4.3 so <laughs> a further smashing here Raw had two points it actually was ahead by two full ratings points both segments involving Steve Austin Luda, thank you. Uh, The main event did a 5.99 quarter for uh, Austin vs. Kane and Mankind so good number uh, Yeah, very Apparently, the, uh, the plan was for a Nation vs. DX eight-man tag for Fully Loaded, but it's been pulled and will be replaced by two singles matches. The two out of three falls match with uh, Rock vs. Triple H, and the European Tart match with Brown versus X-Back. So, interesting little trivia note there. Uh, they are purposely not tipping their hand to the final member of the Four Horsemen uh, with Malenko, Benoit, Michael. Unlike, they've been teasing this for a little while now, where Malenko and, uh, and Mongo in particular kind of save each other, they've got each other's backs, and then there's kind of, you know allusions to the Horsemen and stuff like that. We saw that at the end of, uh, the end of June as well with Benoit. is uh, making another big effort to get Ric Flair back, uh, promising the Horsemen will be heavily marketed with the idea of calling them the Four Horsemen 2000. Oh,
3: that'll work. <laughs> uh,
2: the plan all along if Flair can't come back is for Dave Finley to be the fourth member of the Horsemen, as we've mentioned before, but hasn't been pushed on TV of late and he hasn't been involved in the angles because they're hoping to get Flair in. So, uh... Yes, that's that, that's that's the uh, the status of the Horsemen 2000. Apparently, and,
3: and if that doesn't work, you can just call them the New Four Horsemen. Well... Yeah, they're the the tried and and true method in wrestling.
2: WCW has already taken this theme out of Goldberg's title win by not following up on it and keeping the momentum going. He's got no programme and the TV is still all built around Hulk Hogan, so it's like his title win meant nothing, similar to Hogan killing off the title while Sting held it. Imagine such a thing. Uh, The WWF, interesting note here, will be starting to run a one-hour primetime show on the USA Network on Sunday nights throughout the month of August. Exactly what the show will entail hasn't been 100% finalised, but the leading idea seems to be a show with a live feel similar to Raw of course this will become Sunday Night Heat
0: hmm, they call it Heat because it was a, a trial for August
2: yes it was, it was only supposed to be a, a, a one month thing uh, we move now to that Sunday it's July 26th the WWF fully loaded show 9,855 fans sell under the building the sellout, and a 0.9 buy rate for 315,000 buys a nothing pay per view to be quite blunt anybody got any thoughts on fully loaded? Um,
0: we didn't
2: get Sable's tits well of course you were going to say that Kieran of course yes Sable wins the bikini contest although questionable one of those uh, Chris Jericho like decisions the next
3: night on Raw yeah I I wonder if it meets the criteria of the uh, clearly defined rules (laughs) (laughs) I mean let's face it Jerry Lawler clearly did not have enough time to crack one off (laughs) 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 Which, which is automatically a disqualification for the participants (laughs) <laughs> um, but Liam you, you weren't you weren't a fan of the uh, the Battle of the Bulls
2: no I was not a big fan of the Battle of the Bulls <laughs> Terry Funk Vader and the Legion of Doom go down at the hands of two cold Scorpio Mark Henry and the DOA on this show uh, The Undertaker and Steve Austin win the tag team titles in the main event what a surprise uh, other than that nothing on this show but like, poor Vader getting beat by Mark Henry and uh, yeah the it, DOA
3: beating LOD uh, Vader had even lost the old uh, tug of war on shotgun the night before <laughs>
0: Although what we'll say is the general um, dynamic for other stuff to get over hmm. is definitely in, in play now. More so when we come to the oddities, you'll see it's like stuff that has no right to get over. It's like because of the general atmosphere, the feel of the show, because Austin's so hot yeah, it receptive. sounds horrible
3: to say, but it's almost the the, sh- the strength of the brand, if you like, mm. of a name gets things over to an extent. Mm. And in fairness, to them, you know, Rock and Triple H get thirty minutes. Yeah, we can we can argue the validity all of a sudden of a thirty-minute time limit for a title match. And <laughs> as soon
2: as that was announced, by the way, yeah, everybody yeah. knew what was going on. Yeah, that of yeah. took it away from e- me. E-
3: everyone knew the fix was in. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: next night on Nitro, July twenty-seventh, it's twenty thousand and thirty-one people at the Alamo Dome, and they get a shit show. Uh, they aired the Bash at the Beach main event again for some. <laughs> ungodly reason we like, well, got 3 hours to fill yeah exactly 19 minutes of wrestling in 3 hours is what we get here on this show a, s- a 17 minute tonight show primer with Bischoff this sounds like Raw <laughs> more and more actually every week uh, Hogan comes out to rip Jay Leno this was the first time ever watching wrestling and I was hoping for a sniper in the audience to put us out of our miseries says <laughs> Dave Meltzer so uh, yeah really really strong thoughts on this one here uh, Jericho <laughs> beats Dean Malenko by disqualification in the last chance match for Dean Malenko to get it is a revenge against Chris Jericho very good match but again very kind of anticlimactic end to the feud it felt like although this does somewhat continue I suppose it's sort
3: of the the typical WCW no payoff you mean yeah
2: kind of just that kind of does mm, doesn't really give you what you want Hulk Hogan versus Diamond Dallas Page is your main event we get run-ins from NWO Hollywood NWO Wolfpack Goldberg shows up and kills everybody until the giant slams him so uh, we have a, uh, which I quite like, I quite like this dynamic of the, the giant who's never crossed his path before, kind of putting Goldberg down and kind of leaving that kind of thread at the end of the show of, ah, okay, Goldberg didn't run through the giant. He's been running through everybody, but the giant, because nobody really laid Goldberg out in an angle up to this point. So uh, I thought this was nicely done at the end of the show. Uh, a, a nice touch. Let's see how, uh, let's see if they do this on pay-per-view. <coughs> <laughs> they're building some intrigue here. Uh, over on Raw... Vince McMahon claims that The Undertaker is in cahoots with Kane because it only took one tombstone at the pay-per-view to pin him when it took three at WrestleMania. There's a nice little attention to detail Wait a minute, wait a minute.
3: minute. They they drew back on what happened previously? Yes. To help develop a storyline going forward? That is correct.
2: Imagine that. Yeah. A, a, a strange vignette here
3: Droz's world
2: <laughs> What do everybody think of this? It's like Droz At his house It's a very MTV Real world Rip off type thing here Where he's kind of Playing with a snake Throwing up a lot It's kind of That's sad that it <laughs> Supposed to be Counter development But leave leaving Just thinking well, just fucking, What a boring bastard he is
3: <laughs> He sits outside In his patio And throws up into a bin <laughs> <sighs> The world is
2: his oyster. Yeah. <laughs> Bart Gunn knocks out Doctor Death. <laughs> Let's talk about this here. So Doctor Death and Bart Gunn. Well, first of all, he blows out his knee. Yes, blows out his tears his hamstring. Perfect tears his ass as well. <laughs> tears his ass muscle. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Um,
0: was it? Did he do something? On, was it a takedown by Bart? Gunn thing? Yeah. He, he, Bart he, took him down. His legs are like. Uh, and he fell straight. on the ropes. Yeah, he fell on the ropes, and his legs are all kind of like straight. So, um, yeah, thought. To do some damage gets up walking
2: like Scott Hall yeah
0: and then uh, yeah he gets knocked the fuck out in a brutal knockout oh, left of uppercut to the jaw just... yeah and it's like he's down he's the glassy look in his eye and he's completely out and he can't move for fucking ever <laughs> um, and finally people care about the brawl for all time. oh
3: my god I mean more well, you can hear Vince Man shitting his pants backstage or Vince, Vince is throwing a shit fit JR's in tears <laughs> <laughs> down seven turns heel on Ken Shamrock out of nowhere well, I wasn't entirely sure that Dan Severin was a face to be honest <laughs> judging by his demeanour his attire and the crowd's just overall reaction to him the general apathy mm-hmm. I think what about the I shooters I think apathy a do strong
2: statement speaking of apathy Bracchus beats Jesus in 50 seconds Bracus after being defeated by Savio Vega in the brawl for all <laughs> is back uh, winning here your thoughts on Bracus I think this might be his only appearance on Raw other than the, the Brawl for All.
3: I was going to say, other than this, isn't his only stint sort of memorable to any of us as he's sent to ECW to be killed by Taz? Pretty much. Um, all I could really say about Brackus is thank God the company weren't doing a wellness policy test during yeah, that time. Yeah,
2: curious, mm-hmm. curious that. Uh, we get the promo from Kai and I where uh, Yamaguchi san comes out with the big giant sausage thing and does the uh, Chubby choppy, choppy, your PP promo. I don't know anybody chime in on, on the nature of this angle at this point real head in your hands type stuff speaking is of it, which
3: is it better or worse than uh, Sonny Ono back in the day saying I ride motorcycle like kamikaze <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh for god's sake Icy title on the line triple threat match Rock versus Triple H versus X-Pac yep and this is so fucked up in the booking it's two on one on the heel kicks their ass a lot of the time when he's not getting double teamed um, and the crowd suitly decides to go with Rock <laughs> and it was beautiful this is like the start of the baby face turn yeah. the elbows already getting a pop though by this point oh one. yeah oh yeah and um, yeah it was obviously DX start bickering and feud uh, sorry DX uh, Triple H and X-Pac start bickering and pulling each other off uh, covers pulling <laughs> 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 each other off hilarious <laughs> <laughs> Um, grow old <laughs> um, and it's like I said they're one little, little bitches and Roxas you know against the odds two Fight on one everyone. two on one and yeah he gets over as a face <laughs> who'd have thunk it who'd have thunk it you see it's starting to grow now up to uh, Summer Slam as we hit the Summer Slam indeed
2: uh, we're also at the beginning here of the Hawk on Drugs angle if anybody remembers this so it's it's it's, the, uh, it's <laughs> LOD in a, a tag match against I Believe the Nation and Hawk's stumbling all over the ropes he falls off the top rope going for the doomsday device they they, they did the promo actually they set this up with a promo backstage where Animal's doing the talking and Hawk's like swaying in the background and his eyes are just o- opening and closing slowly and it's like what is this? <laughs>
0: um I did think it was funny though. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's in the rainy trips over the middle rope. Yeah. Um, helmet comes flying it, off. The, yeah. The thing is it's JR on commentary. Oh, by God, now he's falling over. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Master of some of rocks.
2: Vincent Mann awards the bikini contest to Jacqueline, and Sable flips him off and strips. I don't, know, I don't know who gave the uh, authority for Sable to do Steve Austin's middle finger gimmick, but I wasn't happy with this at all.
3: I I must admit, I wondered watching it back if if it was because they were still entertaining that idea of a Sable-Steve Austin pairing.
0: Yeah. I bet Steve let it Of course you can, huh?
3: I don't think he wanted to be involved with it at all. Really? I don't think... I, I,
2: I very well, much... i not on screen, but... I don't... Yeah, well, yeah, he does like his bonds, like you say. He does like his, uh, like his blonds. Yeah, I don't know. Uh Also on this show, Taker and Steve Austin team up to beat the New Age Outlaws in the main event and Austin hands the Undertaker a beer, so seemingly it looks like (coughs) he's going to get his respect. Taker took both tag belts away at fully loaded after they won. Gives Austin one at the end, Austin gives him a beer, sign of mutual respect. It's all been one big misunderstanding, but just when that happens, Kane and Mankind attack. So uh, interesting again, little
0: Undertaker know what's going on here,
2: little thread. Uh, Raw did a 4.8 for this week's uh, show and Nitro did a 4.7 but Nitro just about won in the head-to-head ratings for the two hours obviously Nitro has the extra hour uh, it holds again the combined audience record at 9.5 uh, and the replaying of the Bash main event on Nitro did a 6.5 quarter hour the second biggest ever behind the Goldberg match so despite the fact that it was a fucking atrocious <laughs> match they got, they got some mileage
3: out of it they, they, they milked it for all it was worth I suppose <clears throat> you, you just think though again it speaks to that that long-term strategic thinking in the sense of if you're going to put something on pay-per-view and then you're going to stick it on TV a week or so later for your fans to see anyway you know they cotton on to that notion eventually they're going to stop buying your pay per views <laughs> uh,
2: they'll be fine yeah it's all it's all plain sailing don't you worry uh, also again and this was actually mentioned in the death of WCW this is the show when it's the Alamo Dome 20,000 in the building Shivani says there's 13,000 fans <laughs> there WWF who had a legit 12,000 said they had 18,000 <laughs> therefore the WWF wins the night in the perception of the wrestling fan it's just absurd oh, you,
3: you, you're booking your show in an arena that holds 70,000 you know you can't you know, as much of a significant figure as 20,000 is and not normally under normal circumstances it's not something to be sniffed at you know you're not even half full and then you downplay it <laughs> by around 7,000 <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, just. it's remarkable to think this company
2: it stayed (laughs)
3: stayed as healthy as it did before the wheels came off
2: in what has to be the chance that a uh, new stand for the worst pay-per-view main event in history the plan of action this week is for it to be Hulk Hogan Eric Bischoff and the Disciple versus Jay Leno Kevin Eubanks and DDP (coughs) and DDP for Road Wild what an illustrious battle that would have been giving you back to I believe it was like the drummer or the guitar player on Jay Leno's show
3: yeah and let's remember the glorious reception that Harlem Heat used to get at those shows (laughs) I'm not sure who they're trying to make the baby faces in that program if they're going to book it at Sturgis
2: yeah uh, Bischoff has made it clear to people like Benoit, Guerrero, Malenko and Jericho that if they don't sign extensions of their current contracts, they won't be pushed for the next year. I believe some, if not all of the above, were offered substantial raises to stay, uh, but Conan is the only person basically given the ultimatum that has signed, uh, and he's at least been given a chance to get over, although his crowd reactions have shocked everyone lately, considering he's never really been pushed. Uh, Jericho is expected to sign the contract, but hasn't as of yet. Of the other three, it appears that Benoit is still the most likely person to leave
3: Conan's reactions at the time still shock me to this day
2: (laughs) what's that he's shit you're not you're not bowdy bowdy I'm not not bowdy bowdy or rowdy rowdy no Okay. Uh, if you look at it specifically from a television rating standpoint which is what the brawl floor was primarily designed for it has so far been a success (laughs) wrestlers who do normally poor ratings have generally done well and the Brawl for All fights have usually only been behind Steve Austin Vincent Mann Undertaker Mankind Kane and DX as the highest rated segments on the show nearly every week while it's not definite this will happen apparently Ken Shamrock has agreed to meet the winner of the Brawl for All tournaments under Brawl for All rules so they really want I guess the early success if, if that's what this was is kind of encouraging them to do more sadly at this point we'll see how this goes thus far we've seen Savio Vega suffer an injury to his 7th cervical vertebrae in his neck Hawks suffer a broken nose Steve Blackman suffer a ruptured tendon in his knee and the worst injuries of all to Steve Williams who was hospitalised for most of the night after his match with Gunn he had a dislocated jaw dislocated knee torn hamstring and torn buttocks which wound up with him on crutches and will keep him out anywhere from 4 to 8 weeks right during a period where the plans were to start giving him a mega push so who could have foreseen this possibly, Doctor Death is on his ass. I'd hope not, given that ten. <laughs> July 30th we move to now. Scott Hall was arrested at 9.30am in Baton Rouge after headlining a show the previous night. A 56-year-old woman told police that she was waiting for her car outside the Radisson Hotel and saw Scott Hall standing near the car door. She claimed that she rolled down her window to speak with him and Hall allegedly reached into the car, grabbed her breast and pulled her hand up near his crotch. (laughs) Paul was arrested in his hotel room and then released and continued working the remainder of the weekend WCW events.
3: <laughs> just too sweet.
2: <laughs> 56-year-old woman. Lovely stuff. Uh, the next day, Sonny is fired from the WWF. She was given the ultimatum by the company to either undergo and complete treatment for an alleged substance abuse problem or be fired. When she went for treatment, she claimed that she didn't have a problem, didn't undergo the treatment, and never responded to the WWF's attempts to reach her. So they just fired her and And end a problem and a situation, end of in the w w f there you go. Despite trailing in the Monday Night Wars, any suggestion that WCW is the number two promotion in the United States is laughable, says Meltzer this week. WCW set an all-time US business record during the month of July, drawing $4.25 million on 19 house shows paced by the Georgia Dome show, which was not only the company record gate, but the largest gate for any non-pay-per-view event ever in the US. We don't have complete records from the 80s, and it's believed that at the 80s peak, WWF did have months that topped 4 million, but it was during a time period where the company ran 80 to 85 house shows per month, and had three different touring crews on the road working almost every night. Given the quality of the current WWF and WCW products and the only self-destructive nature of much of the current WCW television, one would think that whatever close gap there is between the two groups would at some point wind up with the WWF pulling away. So uh, that's the kind of uh, the lay of the land as we end July here. Uh, Dan Seven pulled out of the brawl for all after winning his first round match with the Godfather because the rules as they are don't make it impossible for him to win decisions but make it impossible for him to look impressive even if he were to win the entire thing. So uh, since he beams just pulled out he's just like no, no the rules don't make any sense i <laughs> he done it once now the rules are explained to him after the first match no this doesn't make any sense I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, very quickly we move to August 2nd we move into the month of August Sunday Night Heat debuts and has a 3.7 rating. Uh, In an article in the August 3rd Chicago Sun-Times about the falling standards of TV, it claimed that TNT was having second thoughts about Nitro due to its violence, quoting Terry Tingle, TNT's Vice President of Standards and Practices, saying we are looking into the question right now about whether or not WCW is too violent. So uh, that's the start of uh, Eric Bischoff's excuses for the next (laughs) 15 years and counting we move to August 3rd over on Raw the nation of domination attack Austin, uh, early doors Uh, Kane distracts the Undertaker in the aisle while this is happening, so yeah, Taker's kind of like looking back and forth, but he's just kind of staring at Kane while in the background, Austin's getting laid out by uh, the nation Uh, Sable introduces the babyface oddities, you mentioned this before Kieran, what a sight this was what a bizarre bizarre sight this was out of nowhere,
0: they're just baby faces now. They're just a bunch of friendly freaks. After doing nothing as heels, yeah. um, I think I think they're cold this week. It's Sables over, yeah. But like when the music starts, is it insane clown posse? Yeah. Like <laughs> no one knows who the fuck they are really. No, but they. This, like, people start reacting this to doing this dancing in in the crowd and stuff. Sable's dancing is just unspeakable well, like during this period
2: of time. Yeah, yeah. We were shades of Miss Elizabeth at WrestleMania six. Not,
3: not not
0: a
2: pretty
3: sight. <laughs> I, I'm I'm curious. One of you two might have a, a better idea than me of this. One. How well known were the insane clown? How how well known were the insane clown posse at, at this point? I mean, were were? Did they have a wide following? I, I honestly have no idea. I'd, I don't know if this was seen as some sort of coup internally. We've got ICP through the doors or what?
0: I think it was another one of them. Yeah, probably not, not mainstream, but the new audience that's now getting attracted to wrestling. A, a lot of them knew. I like uh, sort of the,
3: it taps in that that almost underground, edgy underground yeah, element. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Okay. Def- definitely.
0: Um, I'm not a though personally so I can't really you know, no, speak ne- this. neither am I but I honestly probably couldn't say too much more retrospectively I realised oh I remember seeing lads around uh, the school would dress up and stuff
3: yeah I, oh, I, I knew people at school who were yeah, like so ICP fans there's <laughs> that, I think, <laughs> I think there's that, there's, said oh, with much scorn
0: and derision. <laughs> um, there's probably against that this new audience that, um, it's, it's, it's slightly well, it's older than kids and it's younger than you, you, you know, your older fans, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. There's probably to a niche, is a level of uh, credibility, maybe, which is another layer to the show, which we start seeing filter through, given the uh, reactions of the crowds and things, and
3: yeah. So. <laughs> Ho- well, I suppose we can just all agree that they're no Master P and No Limit soldiers. No, not at all. Who are you?
2: (laughs) Hawk did an interview saying he was Mike Hegstrand and wanted to apologise for his behaviour where he was pretending to be loaded, saying he embarrassed the company, his partner, all the wrestlers and all the fans. The idea behind this, and whether this will work or not, uh, is to be seen, is to make him a character that makes a comeback from drug addiction. (laughs) Oi.
3: Because that's what people wanted from the Road Warriors this screams This hang screams on a second of having Russo's grubby <laughs> little mitts on, all man. over it who are you as, to say as, that
2: Mike Hegstrand didn't did, did do this on his own Carl
3: this isn't a shoot <laughs> this is typical Russo horse shit real name dropped in dur- during the show with a shit storyline that would make you know that he's probably seen somewhere else on TV that has no real payoff.
2: <laughs> At all? Oh, <laughs> well, that's not true. We'll, yeah, get, to, we'll, get, we'll yeah. get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Takamichi Noku turns on Val Venus and joins Kai and Tai when it is revealed that uh, Mrs. Yamaguchi san is Takasista. <laughs> uh, so there you go. They I've didn't... always been
3: curious is that a work or a shoot? Because I've never known. Of course they're not.
2: No, <laughs> Carl. <laughs> Come on, Carl, you better That's... I'm really not. <laughs> <laughs> they drag him off backstage. You'll we'll see more of Val later. A lot more. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tiger Ali Singh doing a million dollar. Why man the
3: fuck f- was he still here? <laughs> I forgot that he was here and I forgot that he was around as long as he was. He's like that shit that won't flush and I don't even know what the hell Babu's supposed to be. <laughs> whatever the hell his name was. He pulled
2: a very large woman out of the audience and gave her $500 to take her clothes off which she did willingly and just as she was about to gross out everyone Tiger gave her 500 more to put her clothes back on. So that's what you're getting from Tiger Ali Singh.
3: Million dollar man in 88 this is not. Not quite. This is the million rupee man. <laughs> I don't know. Perhaps Transition actually, like seventeen quid—an <laughs> ECW payoff. <laughs> Even less, given the strength of the pound right now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, in your main event Steve Austin and The Undertaker beat The Rock and Owen Hart actually I've got to backtrack here because the whole thing we mentioned before about how the nation attacked Austin to start this actually began with Rock and Owen Hart coming out and demanding that uh, Sergeant Slaughter take his 75 cent shirt and get The Rock and Owen Hart's tag team belts for The Rock to the smack down on your candy ash brony <laughs> which is just a fantastic tirade right? The Rock is so awesome by this point he's just great uh, so yeah Austin and Take I think it's a tombstone from Taker to uh, Pinno in here and uh, the show ends with Val Vina, strung up as Yamaguchi-san swings the sword at his cock as security breaks in through the door and the show fades to black. So again, Val's ass digitised here for Sky Sports. What do you think of this? When it airs it's just
0: like what on earth? Um, yeah. I think at any other time it probably lamented and probably will be anyway. But again, it's like this overall completely different vibe to the show now. Which is like what filled gonna, with sleaze. Yeah, it's full of sleaze, swearing. So what are you going to see next? And that's kind of like the, the hook to a lot of the shows. I like what crazy shit's going to happen next. So yeah, yeah. What's going to happen on Raw? Nowadays,
2: nothing. <laughs> <laughs> August third on Nitro, ever the same night. We get more Bischoff tonight show. Very exciting here. Uh, Psychosis was about to wrestle Magnum Tokyo, and since they probably have a good match, Scott Norton came out and powerbombed both of them for no reason. <laughs> Brian Adams pin Jim Duggan. Fucking hell. <laughs> Picture the ten...
3: <laughs> he, he of doing no jobs, Brian Adams.
2: <laughs> Picture the ten worst matches you've seen in your entire life, all rolled into three minutes, and you have this match down pat as so Dave Meltzer. Uh, we do get a very good Jericho Mysterio match on this show, however, and a pretty good angle with Bischoff and Hogan cornering Kimberly during a Nitro Girls dance routine, and a lot of kind of sleazy overtones here about... Uh, is it true Kim that you're the best you're the, uh, the, the most frequently performing Nitro girl and stuff like this all these kind of illusions he's basically trying to hit on her and sexually harass her it talks about how if you want to be with a real man you need to be with Hollywood <laughs> <laughs> which is just ridiculous <laughs> also on this show we see uh, Lex Luger laid out uh, Bret Hart again still wants to talk to Sting the entire show and the main event is Scott Hall and the Giants versus Bret Hart and Sting Bret Hart, of course being in the black and white NBO Sting and the Wolfpack ends in a DQ Sting's in the black and white here for no reason no explanation why he teams with Hart really uh, of course a screw job is attempted Brett tries to turn on Sting it backfires there's a beat down on Sting Goldberg makes the save and not one match has been announced for Road Wild with one week to go <laughs> so that ends your show a very peculiar episode of Nitro that really doesn't really seem to go anywhere and Raw does a 4.8 to Nitro's 4.2 so Nitro's number has been falling gradually bit by bit week by week since the Goldberg win
3: uh, and I'd argue at this point it's still doing stronger numbers than it deserves to
2: Yeah. The legit heat with Kevin Nash and Hogan and Bischoff uh, reached a new level during this show and after the television show. Nash apparently believes, and the booking does bear this out, that they are doing everything to make the Wolfpack look bad, and apparently Nash wasn't even aware of what they were doing with Sting and the black and white face paint until it happened. Nash was supposed to do an interview on the show and refused when he found that the Wolfpack were going to be whipping boys on the show, that the members wouldn't be helping each other when they got beat down in angles, making the unit look bogus, and that the pay-per-view match was just to set up Goldberg and the Giants issue and he again simply be background to get others over. At press time the situation was said to be serious enough that Nash's future with the company was even in question as he was openly talking about wanting to quit after the show. So uh, Nash very unhappy with his
3: lack of push in the Wolfpack. It's it's, it's one of those again where you you think even even though Melt is reporting it in the way he is how much of this is just bullshit working in the boys again <laughs> oh you're <laughs> so cynical you, cuz you just never know and well this is that. this is how tawdry and fucked up that situation is that i find myself sympathizing to some degree with kevin nash yeah <laughs> because <laughs> just when well, he's the lesser it, of two evils exactly that that's how fucked up this is cuz let's just it stands to reason why wouldn't members of the wolf pack help other members yeah yeah, I'm. I'm not going to advocate for Kevin Nash to be the focal point of everything, but I can at least sympathise with him on that level. in the black and whites. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if that was anything, anything in the sense of an ulterior motive, or just, you know, some complete cock up, and he forgot, you know, had the wrong face paint at the bloody <laughs> arena. <laughs> you wouldn't put it past this company. Let's not kid ourselves the
2: time Warner a higher ups had major qualms about the angle where Bischoff was pretending to sexually harass Kimberly, saying it went over the line Bischoff didn't react because he thought it was a great angle <laughs> of course he did uh, apparently the WF do feel that the Jackal has big time potential as a manager but feel that the oddities weren't the group to put him with so I'm glad they uh, put him with him first before they figure that out uh, they'll find something for him I'm sure they will Chains was fired this last week Brian Lee Very sad that he's left the company Apparently he was arrested in Tennessee over the past few days For domestic abuse And it was reported in the local media That The Undertaker was arrested (laughs) Because Lee did work as the imposter Undertaker back in 94 (laughs) I always knew that was going to get him (laughs) Over at WCW In Sturgis August 9th Road wild 8,500 fans 12,000 fans Getting for free No money at the gate. 0.91 buy rate for 318,500 buys actually did better than fully loaded believe it or not. Uh, for this show headlined by Hogan and DD, sorry, Hogan and Bischoff against DDP and Jay Leno uh, WCW's attempt at a speedy self-destruction of what was just a few weeks back among the hottest wrestling promotions in history during a period when the industry itself is on fire was revved up to near warp speed on this show <laughs> horrible matches mind-boggling booking horrible crowd reactions and as bad as it was it could have been worse the Steve McMichael vs Brian Adams match legendary as that was was scheduled to go 17 minutes it <laughs> luckily it got
3: cut to 7 I think, I I think someone, else had done, uh, uh, someone else had done the rails that night really. <laughs> Jesus it was cut
2: to 7 so the two only had the worst match on the show instead of the worst match of the lifetime uh, we get a Goldberg end versus the entire which NWO battle royal uh, which Goldberg wins Doesn't and, and Jack Ham's the Giants. So that's the end of that issue um, Goldberg backdrops Scott Hall out in 90 seconds Kevin Nash who management was concerned about not even showing up until the day of the show got to be the only wrestler in the match that Goldberg didn't eliminate as he simply walked out over the top rope to try and attack Nash and of course in your fantastic main event Jay Leno pins Eric Bischoff don't, Hall- don't forget the wrist lock on don't Hogan don't forget the wrist lock on Hogan which took an age yeah they've got to get those pictures in the paper uh, not, not a fan Speaking of the filth that is road wild here the show ended with a Travis Tritt concert (laughs) that went more than the promised 30 minutes although the show did contain the normal 2 hours and 50 minutes of wrestling and it wound up being a 3 hour and 30 minute show Tritt's management held up WCW at the event for more money in advance a bonus of three motorcycles and a Lear jet ride home or it was threatened that he would not perform <laughs> they acquiesced <laughs> there were many cable systems around the company that blacked out the Tritt concert due to the communications breakdown with the time uh, Media One has already informed its consumers that it would be offering complete refunds to anyone who ordered the show plus would offer the replay of the show for free without the concert this is a pretty significant economic loss to WCW I mean, sure this know. is a lesson they yeah, all learn the important
3: thing is they'll learn from that mistake
2: <laughs> Christ that's the you brilliant know, thing about Halloween as stupid as that is it's hilarious that it was absolutely a precedent that they ignored it's just <laughs> it's fucking marvellous it's just
3: you know that in itself is is, is bad enough the piss poor communication there to be held up for more money <laughs> by Travis by Travis who <laughs> <Street. LTT. laughs> like I have no idea wh- who he is or what his music's like. <laughs> I can only assume that it's terrible and he's some sort of, you know, poor man Sawyer Brown, as <laughs> was the style at the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and do I <a> fucking acquiesce? <laughs> oh, who gives a shit? It's Ted's money anyway.
2: Yeah, let's give him the bikes. Let's just have our concerts, so we can get on down. <laughs> and there's no paying audience. <laughs> yeah, there's no. no money at the
0: gate. And it wasn't shown on pay-per-view. It wasn't shown on pay-per-view anyway. I like how it was three bikes. Yeah, had to be three. Yeah. Nice round like number. One for each kid as well, maybe I
2: don't know. Yeah, yeah possibly. Christmas presents. Or <laughs> one, no. The second edition of Sunday Night Heat, the, the previous night, drew a 4.25 rating. With numbers like that, expect the WWF to get a second primetime show after the five-week planned run of Heat ends on August 30th. So again... I don't know if this is the uh, the beginning of the overexposure discussion here, but more WWF, more primetime WWF is ordered uh, shortly after this because of the success of Heat and how the product is. Uh, on August 10th, the next day after Road Wild, uh, we're on Raw here. Vince McMahon accuses Kane of being The Undertaker as they're in the ring for a promo. Uh, Kane's dressed up obviously, in his usual Kane garb. Vince is like, it's you, it's you, I know it's you. The lights go out, they come back on it, and it's The Undertaker in taker garb, uh, and he's grabbed Vince, holding Vince, uh, beats up Paul Bearer and Mankind. Uh, set up uh, stuff later on in the show uh, the, sorry, in the brawl for all this week Draz beats Savio Vega Vega was still injured with the uh, the ruptured disc in his neck and they still threw him out there for this fight and uh, Vega looked nothing like he did in the first round and gets pummeled
3: there's a war on dammit
2: there's a war on dammit and, and uh, I think this is it for Savio after this if I'm not mistaken I, I can't remember if he's around after this but my memory is that he's not uh, LOD was to face Southern Justice on this show but Hawk was doing his stoned act and fell down the ramp <laughs> Oh, actually, I did chuckle at this, i got to be honest. Both guys beat up on Animal while Hawk was being dragged away, uh, Droz makes the save. Uh, Jeff Jarrett is now growing a beard and trying to look rougher and clocked Drozd off with a guitar that said, don't piss me off. So uh, this is the, the first time Double J's been mentioned in this timeline for good reason and a bit of a change is in order for, for Jeff. Long overdue.
0: Everyone gets to swear now.
2: Everyone does, oh yeah, everybody does. Speaking of uh, of, of the, uh, the filth throughout the show as mentioned before, DX teases that they're going to split constantly throughout this show, which is a euphemism for mooning that no one understood, and then China moons, everybody cheers, and they cut to commercial.
3: (laughs) I die inside.
2: Dustin Runnels did an announcement telling people not to watch the next segment because it deals with genitalia and fornication outside of marriage, and out came Val Venus with John Wayne Bobbitt. (laughs) a really dumb segment as Bobbitt came off as he is a first rate moron (laughs) says Dave Meltzer (laughs) Uh, Val dumps Mrs. Yamaguchi at the end of this segment and throws her a battery (laughs) (laughs) says goodbye lady you know I don't know what everybody thought about Bobbitt being on Jerry Lawler gets in some great stuff here Lawler's doing the interview and cuts him off and says I don't want to cut you short here John (laughs) (laughs) it's a constant this is like heaven for Lawler you know what I mean Ah, this is, <laughs> this is this is fun stuff. In uh, the main event, we get a four-way tag team main event for the belts. It's uh, the Outlaws against Rock and Owen against Taker and Austin against Kane and Mankind. And Kane pins Taker with one choke slam, and Kane and Mankind win the belts, which I thought was quite clever because they, again they'd mentioned the kind of you know, the, the hell it took for these two guys to beat each other before one choke slam, and it's a pin, and that immediately is the finish that raised eyebrows after this was mentioned previously. So
3: mm, something's afoot.
2: You think so, Carl? something's afoot no. Carl's on the case
3: I'm <laughs> <laughs> doing like a damn sight better job here than Leslie Nielsen did at SummerSlam <laughs> over on Nitro
2: Meng kills security in the Jim Duggan Barbarian opener to build him up for the main event match with Goldberg <laughs> Hogan did an interview <laughs>
3: You're champion, everybody. <laughs> There's some
2: notes on this afterwards. Wait, just you get ready. Hogan did an interview, challenging Goldberg to a title match, saying he'd be at ringside for the main event with Goldberg and Meng. Uh, Jericho beats Stevie Ray for the TV title after the Giant interferes. Uh, so That's some nice, like that, some curious thing. Jericho's TV belt, seeming elevation after he's lost the cruiserweight belt uh, at Road Wild, gets the TV belt the next night, and the Giant's the reason. Curious little thing there. More on this later. But uh very interesting. Uh, Lex Luger beats Bret Hart with the rack to win the US title. So uh there you go, Bret, thanks for that. Luger's done nothing since he's joined the Wolfpack, by the way. He's been he's been barely visible on these shows. I going say he
3: knows the Wolfpack from the sounds of it for the most part. <laughs> It almost makes you wonder if Brett wishes the concussion had come earlier <laughs> <laughs> so he could just get the hell
2: out of there. Giant and Hall wrestle Nash and Sting again on this show after their uh, surprisingly decent match a few weeks back. This time it's utter shit, unfortunately. And uh, Goldberg pins Meng with the jackhammer in two minutes. After the match, Hogan hit Goldberg in the back with a pathetic chair shot that poor Goldberg had to sell. Uh, Nash got the chair from Hogan before Goldberg turned around. And Goldberg turned around and saw Nash in the ring and speared him just as the show went off the air. Uh, Goldberg delivered a fantastic three minutes of ratings, but his pops all week were down, and there were boos after the show went off the air directed at him for attacking Nash. Uh, so, and, and you can tell when he does that spear, when, when you know, he turns around, and he spears Nash. There's kind of a bit of a quiet hush over the crowd at first, where you know, he gets up, he does his things. Like, it's like this reserved kind of, it's not you can't really call it a cheer. It's like a reserved buzz. Like, ah, oh, mm, that doesn't, that's weird. Kind of a reaction. It's very odd. Uh, again, no Diamond Dallas Page at all on this show after after his uh, huge push of the last couple of months. Nothing like follow up here. Uh, however, Raw did a four point five five to Nitro's four point seven. If you're comparing Goldberg with Austin, a comparison that Austin has dominated in recent weeks, the overrun segment on WCW with Goldberg versus Meng did a five point nine, while the overrun for the end of the four corners tag match did a five point two. However, Raw did win handily the final quarter hour uh, and the first 10 minutes of the Four Corners match doing a 5.2 to WCW's 4.7 with the awful Hall and Giants versus Sting and Nash match but uh, interesting there because Meng and Goldberg
0: is the match that breaks the streak of Raw these last few weeks yeah, but look at it though it's actually I would hazard to guess this is the first time a Goldberg main event has been promoted through the show Yeah, yeah, totally So End of it at ringside feels high stakes feels more
2: important Please focus on Bill Goldberg. <laughs> it seems like the obvious thing to do. Uh, there, there are helpful indicators to guide you in that direction. There are indeed. Uh, it should be mentioned here as well in the Brawl for all, Mark Merrill, who'd been uh, slotted back in due to injuries from other people.
3: Well, that's, that's, that's the other farcical nature about all this, I mean, really, not it? <laughs> people getting slotted back in, you know, losers from the first round are back in the competition. <laughs> you know, no, nothing says credibility like oh, that, man. does it? <clears throat> what a tournament.
2: What a sure. tournament, Carl. So, Mark Merrow is wrestling uh, Bradshaw in the Brawl He's fighting Bradshaw. And this, i got to discuss this, because this was actually the most infuriating match I thought of the entire tournament, where Goldberg bulls Merrow into the ropes. Goldberg? Sorry. Bradshaw bulls Merrow into the ropes... The referee calls for a break. Mark Merrow holds his arms up for the break. And Bradshaw takes him to the ground. <laughs> and the referee scores at five points for Bradshaw. And Merrow just fucking loses it on the ground. You watch the tape. He's like, why are you going to give him five? That should have been a fucking break. He was like <laughs> screaming, furious. And Merrow threw a fit backstage about being robbed since so there's big money. Uh, in the to the going to the ultimate winner, and Merrow believed that he had a better chance against Bart Gunn than anyone. He's a much better boxer, obviously with the Golden Gloves background. So uh, yeah, I thought that was an uh, absolute injustice here at the bar. If we're gonna have this shoot competition, then fuck sake, call it, break a break. You know what I mean? You made the mistake of uh, removing Danny Hodge as the uh, referee. Hodge wouldn't have Yeah, Jack Domes the asshole who <laughs> <laughs> called for this, by the way. Uh, reports <laughs> are everywhere that Rick Flair is going back to WCW, and privately it appears that Eric Bischoff has strongly suggested he will to Benoit Malenko to. Saturday Satisfied their qualms about doing a horseman angle without flair so uh, the nature boy may be on his way back soon after all the legal problems over the last few months uh, they are apparently building towards a Larry's Abisco versus Dusty Rhodes match for Starcade get ready <laughs> <laughs>
3: Dusty dancing Larry stalling
2: <laughs> what more could you want at your biggest show of the a
0: Partridge in a pear tree.
3: <laughs> sting is still in the wolf pack, but the
2: main dangerous sting that comes from the ceiling is in black and white. The dual personality sting is a Bischoff idea copied from Keiji Muto slash the Great Muta in Japan. That's where this came from, allegedly. It's Bischoff's brilliant idea.
0: Except both gimmicks are both face painted
2: yes but the guy in the red is the one who smiles and laughs in his happy-go-lucky sting but Moreau's angry sting is black and white he's, that's a, sch- the idea. he's a
3: schizophrenic
0: that's the, that's the idea yes so when he's in the black and white because like the week before he was black and white NWO Hollywood was he?
2: no he wasn't well he was teaming with Brett who is in NWO Hollywood to take on two other members of NWO Hollywood? He wasn't actually in the group, but, 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 but you
3: can see the the, the idea. You can see the Cox, it. it's trying to reheat the Who side is the Ons thing again, isn't mm. it? Going back to the well. ooh, maybe he's with the black and white, or he's with the red and black. No one gives a shit. <laughs> but Bischoff thinks he's on to a winner. <laughs> okay, maybe some people give a shit. I wouldn't have given a shit. God, this pisses me off. <laughs> Although Logic would say that with
2: the, uh, the J Leno angle over, the NBO late-night segments with Bischoff are history. But don't hold your breath, wrestling fans. At Nitro, the stage was set up for the segments, and the only reason they didn't do it was because management forgot to contact the band to appear on the show.
0: <laughs> it's management in quotations.
3: <laughs> no, sadly not. Does management basically mean Bischoff?
2: Yes, that's pretty much it. Bischoff did not tell the band. Uh, Nash talked with Hulk Hogan and Bischoff and all have agreed to work together for business' sake so the heat has somewhat died down in the last week so uh, we'll see what comes out but like, this is kind of bleeds into naturally time wise where they're doing this stuff with Nash and Goldberg for the first time mm-hmm. so uh, that, that, that explains that uh, there are forces wanted to make Nitro more risque to compete with Raw and to have the Nitro girls in more revealing costumes to compete with Sable I wonder whose idea that was by the way in WCW uh, back to Raw August seventeenth, Bargun knocks out the Godfather, and Bradshaw beats Draws by decision. Uh, Draws partially tears his bicep in this fight. Uh, Bargun's second knockout win over the Godfather. What's everybody's thoughts on this one? Oh, he's got go- he's got Godfather rubbery leg by the end of the second, and he's all over the place. Oh, yeah. and yeah, he's like he's, he really shouldn't have been let out for that third round. Um, Bargun actually starting to get over. Yeah. What the fuck? Volga, <laughs> it goes back out to yell at Jim Ross again after the,
0: after the fight's finished. Yeah yeah. um it's like, this whole tournament's been so turgid. And there's actually one guy who's knocking fools out. Yeah. It's like, cool. This is actually something. Yeah.
3: Something to cling to out yeah, this whole boring-ass tournament. That's the key word. Something, you know, something to cling to. <laughs> you know, when something is so shit that your ray of hope is bark good. <laughs> but you know, know. he's
0: finally delivering what, you know, the people wanted. What, what people wanted, what the promise of the whole thing... What? Let's it's, watch it's, these it's wrestlers it's, knock each other out. It's as embarrassing as it was to the actual wrestlers. It's like, well, at least it's something now. Come on. <laughs> great, so, great. so
3: at least it's useful for shits and giggles. <laughs>
0: yeah? <laughs> yeah. It was a great
2: right hug when we sent him out of the ring. What would you want for your, your, your wrestling boxing car? I don't want
3: wrestling boxing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Also on the show The debut of Gangrel So you get your wrestling there Carl uh, Val Venus Goes against all the members Of Kyantai In a gauntlet match But loses <coughs> to Takamichi At the end uh, We also get the Nation vs DX Street fight on this show Which is where The ladder gets introduced uh, To lead to uh, The ladder match uh, In the main event Of the show uh, It's supposed to be Austin vs Taker That's teased But it's actually Kane addresses the Undertaker. It's obviously it's Taker, but Kane's got the mask underneath, fake tattoos drawn all over him. Uh, At the end of the match, Austin throws Kane in a hearse, but Taker is in the driver's seat and drives off as Highway to Hell plays. So this is where the uh, Taker is there. Look at the look at the uh, at the side window, and it's like, oh my God, what does this mean? Taker's driving Kane off. So I guess this is kind of the illusion here that yes, indeed, they were they were a unit all along.
3: Yeah. I. I hate to be a sort of a, a negative nelly here and a nitpick. Uh, we we give them praise earlier in the podcast for sort of logic going back to the the tombstone, how many it took and choke slam things like that, you know, drawing back on on uh, previous episodes or previous instances I should say. It really irritated me to see Kane with the mask on and both arms exposed. Uh, and yeah, no I did burns. too. I did too. It may, you know it's probably one of the things that bothers me more than it has any right to, but it, it did it's one of those things that just sort of grated on me watching it.
2: Yeah, I thought the exact same thing that I was watching at the time live. I was like, well hang on a second, what is it the whole point was that that's the only arm that's not burned, apparently and now he's like it's like it's like, it gets whittled away doesn't it little by little it's like so hang on so he can talk so his arms are fine so now he's wearing a singlet and you can see his chest is fine as well it's like, so is any of him burned? no none of him's burned he's just a bell end. <laughs>
1: there you go
2: been saying that for 20 years <laughs> but yeah so uh, but again I, I, I can completely sympathise with the air, but it's, it looks like it's the case Taker and, Ni- and Kane on, in cahoots uh, so yeah meanwhile over on Nitro to combat this the debut of the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, sorry, the Warrior. My mistake. A nearly eighteen-minute promo on Hulk <laughs> Hogan. The Warrior interview was scheduled for only six minutes, but lasted nearly eighteen, which caused the rest of the Nitro to be rearranged, shortened, and for one match to be cancelled. Uh, so yeah. What were your so, thoughts c- on c- this?
3: Considering the amount of effort they normally put into booking their Nitros, I don't see that as any great task, frankly.
2: I I enjoyed this. It's a weird debut in the sense of they they walk him out there with these kind of like really dim lights (coughs) and they talk about how it's a silhouette of man and we can't really see who it is meanwhile the crowd's pissing themselves because they know it's the warrior and Hogan's sounding like he knows exactly who it is and Shivani's like I can't see who it is who is it it's a silhouette and then they're like oh my god now we know who it is and yeah so I I, you know I'm quite happy to to talk about this one here Uh because I I hated how much flack this got in the self-destruction
3: DVD. Well, that 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 um. I don't oh, no, consider that, the source. That hatchet job aside, it's you know, it, it's eighteen minutes. Probably a bit long winded. of course, it is. But as far as promos go, and, and the Ultimate Warrior one of his better if not his best
1: frankly <laughs> I thought it was
2: good he, yeah he spends plenty of time soaking in the great reactions, screaming talk to me warriors and stuff like that it's like you know, building up the rematch and how Hogan always thought he was the man and you know he was the one that beat him and stuff it's like that this is, this is fine this is a good promo good build and we'll see how it did uh, but also also on Nitro you'll enjoy this High Voltage went to a no contest with Disco Inferno and Alex Wright when Meng came out to put the tongue and death grip on all four guys, plus referee Billy Silverman and two members of security, leaving the seven guys dead. Believe it or not, WCW sees the big rating for Goldberg Meng last <laughs> week as proof that pushing Meng as a killer is money. he <laughs> lost it three minutes then. <laughs> yeah! Isn't it just? Also on the show, Eddie... <laughs> Eddie Guerrero comes out and there's a fake to interview that died live
3: and on television oh, is, is this the one where he brings his, his little uh, suitcase travel pack out from backstage and pours the coffee I'm doing air quotes here folks all over himself yes an allusion
2: to the backstage incident that was reported in the Observe where Bischoff got very mad that Guerrero asked for a release and accidentally slapped his uh, coffee over Guerrero's jeans
3: that 99.9% of the audience had no knowledge yeah. of ever had okay I'm pouring coffee on
2: myself Yeah. Uh, It was a case of the office trying to fool the boys, and there were some wrestlers who actually thought it may have been a shoot. I don't know who these people were. I imagine Jim Duggan was one of them.
3: (laughs) You wonder, with the intelligence of some of these people, whether or not they actually realise wrestling is a work at this (laughs) point.
2: Goldberg beat the Giant by disqualification in the main event when the Disciple and Scott Hall run in. Kevin Nash appeared and uh, to try and get Scott Hall and when Goldberg went to Spear Hall he got Nash for the second time. So again they're kind of building here Goldberg Nash which again give him some credit considering that is actually where they went for Starkade 98. The fact they're starting this in August this is a bit
3: of a pat on the back. No. <laughs> no, no because I, I honestly don't believe by the time they got to December they even fucking remembered that Goldberg had done this. (laughs) They can't tell the pay-per-view companies they're running late. They can't tell the band to show up. (laughs) I'm not giving them... I'm not going to try and use what they did in 97 with Sting and project it onto Nash Goldberg in 98 and give them a single ounce of credit for that. Having said that, Nitro scored its second win in a row with a 4.9 to
2: Raw's 4.2. So, pretty significant win here for Nitro. The Warrior debut drew a 6.41 rating, one of the five biggest head-to-head quarter hours in history, more than doubling the raw audience of a 3.0 for the Bark Gun knockout of The Godfather and the debut of Gangrel. <laughs> the actual Goldberg giant match and post-match peaked at a 6.3. Uh, in what was due to the impending court fight, WCW never hyped Helwig's debut on television because of the uh, ongoing name issue. WF basically tried to tied up in court because they didn't want him to use the name Ultimate Warrior so uh, that's the deal there but again one of those things on that the, the the warrior DVD where they talk about how he went on and on and on and the ratings just went down and down and down there, there you go just, just to confirm once and for all pure horseshit 6.41 one of the best five
0: head head quarters in history at this point so yeah what, what more do you need to say? another Bill Goldberg main event which was promoted during the show
2: yes indeed and believe it or not did another good number
3: wow, 6.3 mm-hmm. it good. when it comes to that warrior DVD I think the the person who gives the the best or sort of most honest assessment throughout all that is is probably Jr. because he mentions about the fact that uh, he he at least acknowledges that warrior will give you that great initial boost and initial buzz. If it fades away ultimately, you know which it tends to do with the warrior, then so be it. But you know he's the one person who will at least acknowledge that you know the warrior can give you a bit of buzz and the numbers bear that out.
2: WCW had the idea for a tournament of champions for Fall Brawl But it was thrown out when the booking committee realised the impossible job Of getting seven of those guys to do jobs on the same night And went with the three team war games instead So the three team war games is something we'll touch on On the next episode of the timeline Because that match Oh we will Oh that match Scott Hall on this week's Rampage Kicked in the rental car that some of the Mexican wrestlers were driving (laughs) In a drunken drunken haze So uh, was he really drunk though? Or did did he just just Target them (laughs) (laughs) Hall and Nash Are hoping to keep Their first singles meeting Kept off until Starcade, But Hall and Nash Aren't nearly as close These days And Nash is pretty much On the same page With Hogan Since he was given Strong hints That he and Hogan Will be headlining Starcade this year Ugh Yeah And I'm guessing That came from Uncle Terry brother So Ugh uh, Yeah the idea of the Giants interfering in Jericho's matches is supposed to wind up with Jericho joining the NWO black and white with the Giant as his bodyguard. But it's said that Jericho doesn't want to be in the NWO knowing he'll be background for Hogan and lose his individuality. So this did not Some, happen.
3: Someone read the Pillman playbook, didn't
2: they? They certainly did. Someone certainly did. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and this never actually happens as it turns out. Jericho never joins the NWO. Um, and but they do keep this up for a little while. They have a, they have a, uh, a Jericho versus Kurt Hennig match on a Nitro where the Giant comes in, and kind of pushes Hennig off. You know, kind of you know, Joko's kind of like his little buddy, kind of a thing. And then it just kind of just dissipates. going to say heads it end. Oh, it just dissipates. Just mm. you know, n- nothing comes of it. Pretend it never happened. Pretty much. Stephanie McMahon, <sighs> who is Vince's daughter, who would be bound 22 or 23, is in a management training program and will be starting with the company soon. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Among those in the training camp this week is 1996 Olympic freestyle wrestling gold medalist Kurt Angle. Angle had received a big money offer from Titan and freed from WCW after the Olympics but turned them down. After doing poorly as a TV sportscaster he contacted the WWF and they wanted him to train for a week under Dory Funk before offering him any kind of deal. They ended up putting Kurt Angle in matches in his first week and, and he blew them away and they signed him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One week. One, week. Best work. One of the best workers on the count. <laughs> But sure. sure, he really was that great, wasn't he? And the rest of the guy was that bad.
2: Sean <laughs> sure, Michaels was originally supposed to be at TV for the last two weeks, but wasn't. People are a lot more optimistic about his return than even one month ago, with the betting line being that he'll return to the ring before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Your conspiracy theory, Kieran?
0: hmm Uh-huh. You owe me four years, Sean. <laughs> Charlatan.
2: August 24th episode of Raw the go home show for SummerSlam one of the better Raw episodes ever says Dave Melter. it starts with Kane and the Undertaker walking out side by side Vince said it proved that they were in cahoots all along and wanted to know tonight if they were on Vince's side Paul Bearer comes out crying <laughs> uh, the Undertaker beats his ass and Kane just stands there and lets him and turns his back to it uh, Mankind comes out and gets an ass kicking as well so this is just kind of all about putting over the Undertaker and Kane as a mega threat poor Mick poor Mick <laughs> Sable danced with the oddities before Kurgan versus Mero and it was absolutely bloody awful again uh, Hawk is all fucked up on commentary this week just is, uh, is at continuing it JR again they think this is a bit of a disgrace
3: Mike you know is, is this the one where um, where animals team with draws and Hawk's referred to as the um, third wheel no not the third wheel there's, there's a term they use Oh no it's gone, it's gone. surrogate
2: no. Substitute something like that.
3: Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, like that. there's a
2: word that's escaping me as well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, to build up the X Pac Jeff Jarrett match for SummerSlam, X Pac pisses in Jeff Jarrett's boots. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Mankind wrestles Kane in a Hell in a Cell match, uh, which ends in a disqualification when Austin. Hang
1: on.
3: Yeah. Yes, you yeah. heard me
2: right. It ends in a disqualification when Austin is inside the cage and beats up Kane takers on the outside can't get in Austin basically vows to get to one of them before the end of the, uh, the end of the show to kind of cut one off for SummerSlam
3: yeah and prior to all this Mick's gone through a table been spiked to stoned on a chair it's been a rough couple of months for Mick it has been tough hasn't it Carl really
2: hurts it hurts the poor but man he has a role and he's fulfilling it very very you know honourably and
3: commendably it's a crash test dummy <laughs> dammit hey that's his role right um, here but I'll ask you on the table because my memory was a bit hazy prior to watching this back about the the big reveal, and having watched it back, it almost it, it seems a bit daft to call it anticlimactic because you know what's coming anyway. But the the notion of just showing them walking together backstage before they come out at the start of the show just strikes me as really odd.
2: Yeah, I kind of see what you mean. I I. F- Partially, I think, because the actual what was supposed to be the big reveal—the Undertaker in the hearse driving him away—is kind of an ambiguous moment. Yeah, I was gonna say it's just
0: mm. random. What do you draw from that? And they've done a lot. What were you
2: doing thing? sitting in there in the first place, yeah, sir? Just, they've done a lot of those. <laughs> <like this. laughs> yeah.
0: They've done a lot of these little, like the, all the the previous hints. Although it's like you know, it's a ongoing mystery. It's it's very, as you say, ambiguous stuff. Like the uh, just like you know, when uh, the, the chair shot. Okay what does it really mean, um, The when Taker and Kane come out, when the nation are beating down Austin, it's the distraction again, it's yeah. like, is it, it's like a little set pieces and maybe didn't grow as like an angle, it was just like sort of these random, and then obviously the, you do the reveal, you do the reveal the week before, so okay, this take is, like Kane's been in Taker's gear now as well, so it's like they've done that back and forth. Um, they're borrowing each other's spandex. Yeah, like these the weird that, that kind of, the weird, Sharing
3: jock straps. <laughs> the,
0: the weird little uh like they actually pinned each other with like, you know li- la- lazy finishes kind of thing with like, you know, any one chokes slam or one now. Uh, was it Tomstone? Tombstone, yeah. Um and then so yeah, and then the reveal backstage, it's a bit anticlimactic. And also I think they like were they faces or heels? Oh well yeah, you can't it's hard to tell at this point, isn't it?
2: Yeah. So obviously cast the because they anti Austin, but they don't really seem to want to go for bore They're attacking bearer as well as mankind. Yeah, exactly. So,
3: and and you can see it judging by the the crowd's reaction, particularly with with Undertaker. If he's in there with anyone other than Austin, mm. in for for a large segment of that audience, he's still treated as a babyface. It's only when you get the contrast with Austin, where it's like, ah, oh, our real guy's here now. We're, we're done with you.
2: Absolutely. And on that note, while they're doing all this and perhaps confusing people, they do play on this show the great Highway to Hell music video to build this to build up SummerSlam, which to me is just a beautiful piece of work. And that's just like, ah, you can almost overlook some of the anticlimactic elements to to, to a degree because... This has been a long journey. We have been anticipating this match for a while and this video does bring back all those memories of what we thought in the very beginning and now we want to see it for Summerslam.
3: Yeah, yeah, I suppose if you look back at it really, you you trace it back to May. Yeah. And, and over, over the, the edge, the edge. With, with Taker as the
2: enforcer. Even, it, was the raw, but it was the Raw, the go-home show for, for that over the edge, wasn't it? When Taker first challenged Austin. So yeah, it was going back for a long, long time. Also on the show, another one of my favourite moments here, the rock degrades China. <laughs> ah... So this this is a, a, a fanta- This is when Rock is just the star of the show for me here. He's he, he's, he's he's on the ladder. He's climbing the ladder. And he's in his fucking silk shirt and his shorts and his loafers. <laughs> it's a it's a hideous look, but he's a star. And then you get China. Obviously, yeah, he's talking down to China, and then the, the nation grab her and put on her knees. The exit is has been forklifted into the back. Judy Bagwell's nowhere to be seen before you ask Carl yeah. in in their own locker room. <laughs> and then there you go it's it's, it's this rock just smoothly with that swagger walking past trying to say yeah put her down on her knees where she belongs
0: it's like a natural position for you and the crowd's
2: just going along with this and it's just oh they're just eating it up because it's just such an asshole thing but he's just do it and, so, and then he's, he's prepared for the magic of the rock he's about <laughs> to kiss it. And he's like, the rock will never kiss a piece of trash like you. Mark, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> and
3: Mark licks his lips and, uh, yeah. and Rubbing his hands. Yeah. The birth of sexual chocolate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then Justin's about to do it. Shawn Michaels runs out and uh, lays out Henry with a chair and gets back on commentary. <laughs> and starts screaming back, cahoots, I tell you, cahoots. <laughs>
0: but, um, it was good as well because obviously no one apart from Austin when he stunned her, no one's got any got any uh, heat on China. no And like to have her like, you know, she's like And since she's been a baby face no one at all. Exactly, and uh, she you know beating around dudes and like like to get kinda of, like sy- sympathy on her, and put her in a real position, was like a real nice little Nice little, nice little deal. Yeah, put a, a real heat on this uh, this situation. Good stuff. Uh,
2: we do get the final for the Brawl for All tournament here, because they didn't bother putting it on SummerSlam that Sunday and trying to actually you know, get some money out of this fucking disaster. They do it on Raw for free, the final. Bart Gunn knocks out Brad in the first round. Thank you very much. <laughs> a glorious moment, if I may say so myself. Again, this is another one from the, uh, the Bob Holly book, where he talks about how... Uh, Undertaker bet Bob Holly that Bradshaw was going to win <laughs> bet him $100 and then Bob Holly just took the bet and he fucking barked and just knocked him out and he took his money it's like glorious Bradshaw's legs twitching after, after the knockout it's like ah oh, thank R- you rookies everywhere rejoice <laughs> <laughs> no more worries about shower time well I don't know about that Carl <laughs> In the main event, of course, uh, McMahon confronts the Undertaker and gets chokeslammed for his efforts. Again, that ambiguous thing about whether he's a face or a heel here. Austin then goes out and attacks the Undertaker, but Kane attacks Austin and they go off the air with the three of them brawling. So again, you you don't know where they really stand. They're together, but you don't know what this means at this point. It's very... I guess tune in for SummerSlam and see see what they got for you. But uh, over on Nitro to counteract this really good show, uh, we get a Hogan and Bischoff promo to start. Of course, uh, Bischoff said he wouldn't let Warrior into WCW or let people out, and made reference to Eddie, uh, of course, Bit recently of his uh, shoot interview last week, uh, and how he ran Johnny B. Bad and Vader out of WCW. What a peculiar promo this is. <laughs> Uh Rath returned on this show as well, and uh looked pretty good uh his, his returner got cancelled because the warrior's promo went long uh the previous week uh The warrior comes out in his o w n jacket. What are your thoughts on the one warrior Nation Carl are you a member, or could you be a member if there's only one because I believe the the no, booty man ends up the the, boot, the
3: booty man becomes the second member of the one warrior nation, yes indeed uh. all that smoke that filled the arenas I kind of wonder if they were smoking it themselves yeah
2: I think so It's probably the most likely scenario here Uh, the warrior managed to keep his promo down to 8 minutes despite getting lost halfway through walking around silent for nearly one minute of (laughs) dead air and then saying patience is a virtue
0: life
1: lessons
2: (laughs) (laughs) Roddy Piper returns on this show with a DDP and obviously he's he's kind of as it's alluded to by DDP on DDP's team for Fall Brawl Warrior is the other guy that's, that's hinted as being DDP's partner Piper's uh, the other guy Stevie Ray joins the NWO proving they will just let anyone in at this point uh, Hogan and the Giant versus Goldberg and Nash is your main event a big star-studded match here run galore and uh, Goldberg and Nash end up as just set-up pieces they kind of end up just on the floor uh, the set-up guys for DDP, Piper and Warrior's running to end the show so uh, again Goldberg and Nash even though they're working together on the back foot. On the back foot. It's all about Warrior here. Warrior's the, uh, the new star of the show. It's
3: all about Warrior because, by extension, it's all about Hogan. Precisely. Uh, Nitro does a
2: 5.2 to Raw's 4.7. So the combined <laughs> rating of Pro Wrestling was a 9.9, uh, an all time record on this night. Both shows went head to head with Monday Night Football on ABC, a Super Bowl rematch between the Packers and the Broncos, which did a 9.5 rating. So on this night, more people were watching Pro Wrestling. Than the NFL believe it or not it actually did happen a time <laughs> or two uh, Nitro's main event at uh, Hogan and Giant versus Goldberg and Nash did a 6.5 quarter hour uh, Raw's overrun of the Austin Undertaker Kane brawl was a 6.1 as well uh, but interestingly the Warrior segment lost to Mankind versus Kane in Hell in a Cell uh, and the only other quarter hour of Raw to beat Nitro was the Rock segment with <laughs> China so uh, very interesting there now that we've kind of seen the full build for uh, for Highway to Hell everyone's kind of reflecting we'll get to the match shortly but uh, the, the thread of this uh, period for Raw has been the Highway to Hell build so at this point what are your kind of thoughts and what are you kind of expecting out of the match itself um, at this point yeah I
0: remember being really excited I'm actually going to talk about this on the next show probably um, I was really excited for the, the, the Austin Taker thing it was a big deal it was like their biggest match they had um, it had been drip fray drip f- drip fed and uh, you, know, you know it's going to happen and the take it, Kane stuff, it was intriguing although, you know, kind of ma- maybe a negative on it, it was, t- it was really intriguing at the time The Highway to Hell, it was, it was a th- great theme with the, with the great song and the video Rock and obviously the DX and Nation stuff have been brewing for a, a long time as well yeah. and that has come to a head now with a ladder match, which is always exciting
2: yeah, they're only the third one they would ever mm-hmm. done at this point
0: um, On TV, I should say, yeah, um, and it was so. Yeah, I'm looking, really looking forward to that. Um, I was excited, excited by the show; it was like it was a big deal. It, it was. was a big show.
3: No, it, 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 it may not come across um, this way, having listened, listened to me throughout this podcast and sort of the, the nitpicking I've done here, here, there, and everywhere. But, but at the time, oh. I, it, 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 at the time, I think excitement was definitely the word. You could argue there possibly wasn't a more exciting time to be a wrestling fan. It you know, it's it's been a long, strange build with twists and turns, but in but intriguing. And I'm always you know you, you sort of you are left with with visual moments that are always stick in mind. I always think that that's sort of a good benchmark of how invested you were in things. You know, like the Hearst, whilst there's some confusion there it does stick in the memory the, the the you know austin and the cell um and and the one that's, that's that always has stuck with me and i think it's a cool visual even now oh, as, 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 as as on the nose as it seems it being the highway to hell the ramp on raw with the uh with the fire trail leading up to austin
2: yeah so basically and Kane t- in the ring right the start of the show. they yeah. walked out and led everybody out austin comes out at the top of the ramp and yeah, as you say, that the fire trail at the middle of the ramp, like a highway
3: line. Yeah, just an, a, a really really cool visual. Um, WCW, on the other hand, it's as, it's just, I can't even, I, can't, I honestly can't even <coughs> remember what my thoughts were about the company at the time. I think that's ju- just because of how invested I was in Austin Taker and, and Raw, but but I. I can't imagine when i was watching it back then so i you know i watched both shows not that, obviously not at the same time but i, I watched both shows throughout the course of the period i can't i can't in- recall ever being anywhere near as excited or intrigued about anything they did and uh, from the descriptions back and having watched it back to i can see why i can't recall anything <laughs> in, a, in a in a sort of nostalgic positive tone
0: yeah i think that's the thing isn't it the, the excitement level like okay yeah, as, as we talk about this partisan fan of WWF at the time before, um, it was like, yeah, now we're on a level playing field kind of thing, and now we're you know, cooking on gas, now it's like it's a proper fight, but just as like, kind of neutrally, WWF is so exciting, what are you going to see next, what's going to happen next, this, this random um, element to the show, which um, I guess it's, it's, you know, there's an element of Russo being contained, but it's, it was, it was Interesting, interesting stuff, it's just different stuff, and but there was also a progression to the storylines, there's a direction to the storylines. Whereas on the other side, WCW, it's okay, still got the stigma of like it's old boys on top going around treading water and just changing places occasionally. And
3: yeah, I was just gonna say, for every sort of you know, for the introduction of the warrior that may you know pique someone's interest or putting the belt on Goldberg, it's not long before you return to the same themes yeah. that you are familiar with the NWO black and white. A focus on Hogan, a focus on Bischoff, um, non finishes. It's you know, all, all those things that you have seen in some fashion or another, really, since nineteen ninety six and the and the formation of the NWO. So, I, I find it sho- shocking um, hearing these ratings numbers back that that Nitro was doing as well as it did. I mean, obviously my, my, my perception of the, of the time has been warped somewhat because I, I always thought by this point whilst Raw wasn't comfortably ahead by any means I always thought of this timeline as still being part of the war something you wouldn't say you know, by the time you get to 2000 for example but it astounds me that Nitro still is winning Nights at this point because I, I must admit I thought once they turned the corner Raw was pretty much ahead for the vast majority of time on well, most weeks until Flair's return so to to hear these during what is such an interesting time for me on the raw side as well and build up to SummerSlam to think that that is being beaten as strong as Austin's individual numbers are to think that's being beaten by what they're producing in Atlanta some weeks it really does take uh, take me aback a bit
2: Let's talk about demographics here before we wrap up with of course SummerSlam. Um, even though Raw is adult oriented programming and Nitro tries to be the cleaner show, Raw wins with kids wins strongly with teenagers, but with adults, Nitro wins in all male demographics, doing slightly better in comparison as the viewers get older. As straight as this is, for the female demos, Nitro wins by even bigger margins than with the men, although Raw gets closer as the women viewers get older. What a strange message this sends, that the perverted, bad language and more raunchy show actually scores best with old women, teenagers and young children, and then loses in every, every adult age group to Nitro so that's a very curious bit of news
3: when you say every every adult age group I'm assuming that that includes the uh, the coveted 18 to 36 one
2: yeah there are more of those viewers watching Nitro than Raw during this period of time
3: see I've I've always understood the argument of Nitro's audience skewing older because of a lot of the names involved from the 80s so they're names that those people having been younger grew up with and the familiarity so I always understood that the idea yeah, you know, the idea again just goes to show how how lit how little I was aware of the uh, the wider context of things that that Nitro's winning amongst eighteen to thirty six year olds is you know, with a, a character who I perceive as who is as cool as Austin is is stunning.
2: Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's Because Stone Cold Said So video Is the top selling sports video In the country right now And the sixth best selling video Of any kind overall So uh, he is red hot At the same period of time uh, Raw is being moved to Saturday For the next two weeks Due to the US Open tennis coverage So uh, pretty interesting that During this period of time Where like we say Nitro's got a couple of uh, Of advantage of, of, of kind of wins in a row much like earlier in the year when, when this happened, when, when Raw got the edge and then Nitro was preempted, empted Now it's the, the shoes on the other foot. We'll see how that plays in at uh, the start of September.
3: Yeah, really fascinated to see how that plays out. And whilst it's not a complete sort of apples-to-apples apples comparison, curious to see how those Raw numbers hold up on Saturdays. Due to all the casualties, I think it should be a pretty strong consensus that the Brawl for
2: All idea was one that ultimately didn't work, says <laughs> Dave Meltzer The ratings the past few weeks weren't good, and that was because they didn't have any big stars in it and put it on against some pretty strong Star Power Nitro
0: competition. So the Brawl for All, a ratings bust, uh, surprise, surprise. Yeah, not really about the Brawl for All, that, that point there about the Star Power on, on Nitro, we talked about on previous shows, and I think it's still fundamentally why they're so competitive in the ratings. Yeah, they've got a, a roster jam-packed with established talent whereas in many
2: ways it's kind of inexplicable that they were losing
0: <laughs> at all yeah and, and whereas WWF, okay Austin is now bonafide the top guy in the in business in the whole business yeah um, although Goldberg's close in some regards
2: like we said before there's ratings
0: comparisons mm. um, but flip side of that Goldberg's not, not being used like Austin no um, but yeah so you've got Austin Taker is a star but has he ever really drawn Kane, likewise, um, Foley's not drawing, Rock's... No need to mention. That. <laughs> well he is, because he's, he's top four guy in the company and he's you've got one draw really, a bona fide draw. Rock, although he's starting to get over, he's not there yet, Triple H and DX, likewise. So it's like, a, kind of the show overall he's getting more over, but in terms of actual stars, the, they've got a few in the infancy, but really, it's again, Cupboard's fairly bare. Hmm. So, I think that's why did the ratings. I think that bears out in the ratings still.
3: Yeah. yeah now, now, see, when you explain it to me like that, and um, when well, we've talked about you know, roster depth and strength, when you when you explain it like that, it makes perfect sense to me. This notion that they'd be competitive, and as Liam says, that there's a sort of, you, you could have a, a sort of strand of thought that would make you think, well, they should be competing, and arguably, necess- shouldn't necessarily be losing. WCW, this is uh, ratings wise. I, I just I just have a hard time getting past it because of what I consider and I hate to use you know, a word such as this, but the the quote unquote buzz around the company. That's that, always that sense to me that WWF had it at that point and WCW uh, didn't. The old eye test, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but you know you know what I mean. You, know, you you've explained it clearly and concisely, and it makes perfect sense to me. I just have this hard time grasping it, though, because I just consider WWF to be the company that has has the buzz and the sort of finger on the pulse, as it were. Well, we're going to see how that plays out with
2: SummerSlam's uh, numbers very shortly. Um, but before we get to that, just a quick note: you mentioned before about that your know, WCW having the same name cycle around at uh, this period of time. Lex Luger renewed his contract for three more years this week, and Sting signed a new seven-figure contract and no longer wants to work on Thursdays. <laughs> A lot of team players here in WCW. We move now to August 30th. It's the show we've been building to for the last two months. WWF SummerSlam from Madison Square Garden. 19,066 fans sell out the building with 200 uh, sorry, 2,522 fans in the uh, 4,500 seat Paramount Theater that's adjacent to it. So that didn't sell out. Um, conflicting numbers in the buy rate here because the official buy rate for the time was 1.48, which is actually lower than the bash at the beach in July. Funnily enough, again we talk about this perception of the debate of having this huge Summer Slam, but actually, it, b- by that number, that number's lower. Uh, that that workout's about five hundred eighteen thousand buys, equivalent to this time period. But there are conflicting reports online saying that this show did seven hundred thousand buys, which, given its kind of stature as the biggest ranking, summer, yeah, the most purchased Summer Slam of all time, makes more sense. So uh, this might be a, a note I have to get a bit more clarification on for the next timeline to see just what the number was uh, at the time. But let's talk about the show, because... Uh, and I'm not talking about Kain Tai versus The Oddities for long, but... <coughs> Triple H versus The Rock, however, put on a very dramatic, excellent ladder match, which appeared to accomplish its goals, and for most accounts, Maivia came out of the event as the big star of the show. Even though he was the heel, you could really sense Maivia had totally won the crowd over as being a great performer with this
3: match. No shit. I say the, the the reaction for the body slam onto the ladder and the yeah. elbow setup, you know, encapsulates you know what Rock had become at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like the reaction to as well. He's beloved, and just the slow look up. It's like he's just, he's like
3: he's giving to you.
0: <laughs> he's he, you know, look him in the yeah. eye when he's doing it to you, baby. <laughs> yeah, he gets it,
3: and it's it's fascinating. Cause it's it's not even like this immediate cheer, is it? He looks up, you know, slowly looks up and everyone goes up an octave with him is like, oh. a <laughs> and you know, a penny drops with everyone He's gonna do
2: it on the yeah. ladder, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is great. Uh, and again, Triple H is uh, the pop, and Triple H wins this match. It's absolutely thunderous. Great finish with uh, you know, Mark Hayes at ringside gets to get the old snake thing in there <laughs> in China, and the high spot of probably
3: his nineteen ninety eight. To be quite honest, oh, absolutely. China gets a bit of redemption with the old yep, nut yep. shot to the rock. Yeah, nice way of protecting the rock as well.
2: Yeah, and on, 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 on doing, doing the job. Good so, like, stuff all round good great stuff all around here this was I mean as much as this made like, this looked like oh my god what a great with a triple H even though again he comes out with a band who looks like a fucking nerd throwing around the the, the symbols like he's raging against mm. a machine it's like you look the, the silence and the crash you fucking geek you geek and then yeah. a try hard yeah a try hard yeah try hard with a vengeance as it'll turn out but I think that uh, yeah but like we said Rock's the one when he comes out he looks like the star he feels like the star when the match is over Triple H does nothing for the next few months regardless of the fact whether he's got an injury or not I'm going to use that anyway whereas Rock he's the one who's on the rocket to the moon now so very interesting but of course ultimately the biggest thing on this show is Austin vs Undertaker Highway to Hell and you want to talk about (laughs) anticlimactic with Taker and Kane's reveal I never understood at the time what from a kayfabe perspective What the fuck was the point of this whole cahoots bullshit if you were gonna tell him to fuck off in the match anyway? Why?
3: Yeah, it 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 defies belief really. It's and it just adds that curiosity it's almost if you wonder are the company getting cold defeated, do they not want to pull the trigger on a take a turn or what what's the deal? But it's yeah, you think after all that to then just point and send him away? Especially in terms of what comes after that yeah. which we'll get into. And to. for
0: Kane to just do it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, did they, did they have cold feet? Th- did they didn't want to turn Taker? Um, or was it just blatantly a gimmick to sell the show uh, for, as intrigue, something different? Was it was it, was it literally a, a marketing ploy? That's why they were non-committal, they didn't really do much together. And then, yeah, go to the back. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs>
2: Uh, the match itself again underperforms. Austin gets knocked out halfway like very early on. I believe in Taker tries to he kicks Taker. Taker tries to do his hair flip, no sell me. He, he headbutts his chin and knocks him down and out.
3: Yeah, it's right well, it's a, it's extenuating circumstances, obviously, but it's it's a poor match. Yeah, it's a poor match. Be, be, you know, in, in part because of that. Though I've always felt, having watched matches since then with those two, despite what Austin said about working with Taker and how much he liked it. I I've, I've I've never I've never felt they clicked.
2: No, I never saw them have a barn burner of a match. No, I
3: mean they've got they've got a you know none well, you can call it an excuse, but yeah, you know, they've got a reasonable explanation for why this one didn't click. But well, the next you know, fifty tries but, but yeah. But that being said, I'm not convinced that it necessarily would have been a classic without that. Having seen what uh, what followed, yeah. Dilo was great in the chest protector again. Yeah, from Milan, Italy that night, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course, <laughs> wonderful. Um, good
2: to see that whole Val Venus thing paid off with something worthwhile in that storyline that we watched for <laughs> all those months oh yeah
3: oh yeah a, D- a DQ, <laughs> DQ- o- European yeah. title
2: um, the Fink is out there getting after his oh, head shaved God. Jared gets his hair cut but not really <laughs> no one cared in the first place <laughs> the, the, there's a uh, we didn't actually mention the dungeon match at fully loaded with Owen and Shamrock which leads to the uh, the what was it, the Lion's Den cage, the right? The Lion's Den cage, yeah. On this show, which was actually really fun. I enjoyed that match a lot.
3: Yeah, quite good. Severin does his walkout, bit at the end, <laughs> gives up on Owen. Yeah. Throwing the towel over his shoulder, like, you just don't give a fuck. <laughs> 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 yeah, pretty much. But, uh, but on the subject, of that, I always found it strange in retrospect that they, <laughs> that they turned Shamrock heel so quickly afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Because, he, you know, he was it was pretty over during that summer when you consider the king of the ring yeah he, he lost it fully loaded to home but it was to, to, for this to pay off and that that theater, the, the crowd in the, uh, the do they keep referring to it as the theatre yeah, yeah it's called the, 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 the 4,000 or 5,000 ever many was there you know went apeshit for Shamrock's win so I always found it strange that they uh, that they turned him heel following that
0: yeah, yeah he, he was always getting good pops on TV as well he always did yeah um, people bought him
2: I don't know, were they just looking... They probably had to think, you know what, since that fucking Doctor Death thing fell through, we need tough guys. Yeah, exactly.
0: Someone to uh, feed to Austin down yeah. the line. Makes sense. Yeah, especially, I mean, especially as well if the plan was now for Rock to Go Face.
2: Yes, you could probably... Uh, yeah. As short-lived as that plan ended up being, but yeah, you can you can see what, where they were thinking. Basically, switch positions. Uh, we move now to the following night. It's the unopposed edition of Nitro. Obviously, the U.S. Open is uh, taking precedence here on the USA Network. But uh, on August 31st, the last show we're going to talk about today, an atrocious show here for Nitro. Uh, Hogan and Bischoff start as they always seem to do by saying Stevie Ray is the third man at War Games with Scott Hall out due to injury. So if Stevie Ray gets his first main event pay per view. Uh, at full brawl the warrior shows up the NWO comes in for an ambush and they all disappear in a cloud
3: of smoke
2: <laughs> your thoughts on this Carl seeing the smoke filled ring and warrior disappearing
3: who knew that the warrior was a uh, long distance relative or somewhere on the family tree of Harry Houdini
0: <laughs> Paul Daniels more
3: <laughs> Bobby Davro perhaps
2: <laughs> uh, yeah so they show Goldberg hanging out with Mark Maguire now, I thought this was an interesting thing uh seeing this back and, and reading about it too because this is one of the things that Bobby Heenan yeah. and like people always talk about how, oh well if if WF had done this you know, this is when Mark McGuire, this is 1998 you know, Mark McGuire's going for the home run record I believe at the time or something of that nature I'm not big up on baseball but I remember the, the the buzz at the time I was more of a Ken Griffey Jr. guy <laughs> but uh, yeah so while well, that's all going on obviously Goldberg is this big star and then Mark McGuire rubs the bat on his chest and stuff like that and everyone talks about how such a misstep if that had happened in the WWF I think it's even mentioned in the death of WCW this and it
3: was shown on Nitro <laughs> they did air the fucking thing what more do you want played every week uh, yeah, yeah it, it's it's clearly the right thing to do. Y- the only thing you'd argue is it's a sort of thing they should have been doing more of. Yeah, afterwards and before.
0: He's a little gay there, rubbing his bat on his chest. Well, that's feel yeah. my wood, Bill. <laughs> different strokes for different folks, you know. You know.
3: Mean, I was going to say, you know, rubbing wood on his chest is pretty uh, quite a tame thing considering what Mark McGuire probably injected into him himself <laughs> when he <laughs> reached this home run record. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry allegedly JJ <laughs> Dillon called
2: out Arne Anderson uh, Benoit and McMichael also came out and the We Want Flare chants began uh, Anderson walked out on the segment and Dillon said that Anderson was afraid of something but uh, basically Arne, they, this is a great segment actually because they show Arn. Uh, they show like an old promo from Arn talking about the Horseman from like 1985 or something they actually dipped into the archives for once to try and tell a story imagine that on Nitro and, uh, and as it turns out so he we was talking about the Horseman and how much the Horseman means but of course, as everybody comes out to try and invigorate Arn for the horseman, Arn wants no part of it. He says, he's just, You just don't get it, and walks away. And, uh, and that was it. And that, that's pretty much the end of the segment, but it's interesting, because uh, obviously there's, there's something around the corner here. Uh, Eddie Guerrero did an interview and said that he was going to wrestle because he didn't want to get sued by Bischoff in reference to Ric Flair. Uh, they then cut his microphone off, so this is basically the pipe bomb, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the much lesser known pipe bomb. Uh, he then did a match with Brian Adams where he laid on the ground and covered up and did nothing and got pinned in two minutes. Ways to make a star. (laughs) Bagwell came out dressed as a Jamaican doctor to heal Scott Steiner's alleged injuries. Scott Steiner kept coming up with injuries to not wrestle Rick. It's got more and more preposterous month after month. Think at this one. It was this one one they took him to the ambulance and he ran out he, he had the neck brace on right at Road Wild so Scott Steiner's got the neck brace on at Road Wild they, they say that he doesn't have to wrestle him because he looks injured and then he rips off the neck brace and runs to the back
3: <laughs> considering that the Scott Steiner turn had happened at full no Super, Super brawl, and we're still waiting for the payoff of this one
2: And Jeez. the it never happens on pay-per-view does it? I could be wrong I think it's yeah, a tag yeah, match with yeah, Judy yeah, Bagwell think, involved it's,
3: it's eventually paid off at Halloween Havoc if I'm not mistaken
2: well thank god for that yeah, yeah. Goldberg beats Al Green uh, that's uh, that Yeah, that superstar. Uh, Sting and Lex Luger versus Hulk Hogan and Bret Hart is your main event, and it stinks. Uh, they had long since lost the crowd by this point in the show, and Hogan throwing stumps like a guy in his first day of training school, and scratching guys' backs wasn't going to get them back at this point. <laughs> Hart and Hogan argued for the count-out finish. Uh, NWO ran in, and right before the first Hogan-Hart fight... The smoke came, and when it cleared, the goons were asleep, Brett was gone, and Hogan was crying for his mommy in the corner at the (laughs) Ultimate Warrior. Despite that, despite the show, Nitro set an all-time Monday Night Ratings record with a 6.0, making it the single most watched pro wrestling television show in the history of cable, and it would have been even higher, but the third hour managed to somehow lose viewers. Uh, due to going unopposed, the show contained five of the ten most watched matches ever on cable, and none were matches that you'd expect, since the lack of competition eliminated the usual channel surfing. Lodi and Saturn versus High Voltage <laughs> became the second most watched pro wrestling match ever on cable in over five million homes and did a six point eight rating, <laughs> trailing only the Hogan Goldberg title change. <laughs> so there's some pro wrestling history for you today, at SCG Radio. <laughs> News for everybody this week.
3: And I'm sure sure whilst uh, they were all patting themselves on the back and, you know, the ratings and success that they'd had, they probably didn't appreciate the wider context of we had one hell of a big audience and this is the shit sandwich we've served them. I wonder if they're going to go the Meng route and give Lodi a main event
2: (laughs) (laughs) We can only hope at this point. Uh, It is largely believed that Ric Flair will return to WCW within the next two weeks. While the lawsuit has not been settled at press time, it is believed that the combination of Flair not receiving a bona fide offer from the WWF and the piling up legal bills as the Turner lawyers continually file for delays, uh, Flair is expected to to settle and return most likely on the September 14th Nitro from Greenville, South Carolina, which is the next head-to-head Monday night battle. Since leaving WCW, Flair had been interested in going to the WWF and working a program against Steve Austin While McMahon had publicly talked about loving to have Flair, the WWF had not made a major effort to pursue him, and several WWF wrestlers, most notably Undertaker and Triple H, had publicly denigrated Flair for being too old at 49, that he should retire, and in their own personal belief, there's no place in the WWF for Ric Flair. Isn't that interesting? I'm assuming it's because Ric Flair would have come in and taken both of their spots, so yeah, without question. <laughs> yeah, quite easily and quite undeniably.
3: Though it would have been a, fa- it would have been a fascinating thing to see Flair in in that context of what Raw was presenting at the time. What, Flair surrounded by
0: a hose? yeah, able to talk about his dick. It would have yeah, been great, like a
3: pig in muck. <laughs>
2: he was the biggest biggest star in yeah, but that's the bit. Rick an enormous draw
3: imagine like. him chasing Sable around he's <laughs> a <laughs> <Goal>. space man baby <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> it appears that the thought process has changed and Bischoff has told several of the wrestlers in particular Benoit and Guerrero that haven't signed their new deals that he would prove to them they'll get a push in WCW and he'll start pushing them now as a way to convince them to sign their new deals More on this in the next timeline. (laughs) Lots of front office dissension in WCW uh, while this is all going on. Terry Taylor and Kevin Sullivan have basically been taken off having any input on Nitro or Thunder and are now just putting together Saturday night. Eric Bischoff is booking Nitro and Thunder, largely on the advice of Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash. (laughs) Which explains an awful lot. Most reports are that Scott Hall will be out of action for a while due to his latest problem, so at that point, he and Nash will probably never wrestle each other. Hall got injured literally days before a surprise drug test was going to take place at Nitro (laughs) which is believed because of his front office connections he and just about everybody else on the roster knew about in advance there was also a lot of heat on to Guerrero since he also missed Nitro and some were speculating for the same reasons (laughs) so yeah, Scott Hall and drug problems that's not not exactly the the breaking news that Lodi doing the record rating (laughs) was but there you go no, not quite the same uh, insightful tidbit there no, sorry about that Uh, To end this though, Bishop James Timlin of Scranton, Pennsylvania decided on the 31st of August to no longer rent the venerable Catholic Youth Centre to the WWF after a relationship of at least 30 years. It turned out to be a major media story locally and maybe a warning sign that needs to be heeded for the WWF as they reach their new business peak. This is a Catholic institution. We have certain I can't even read this without laughing. This is a Catholic institution. We have certain standards we need to maintain. In the last year, the WWF has turned into a raunchy show it's not healthy for children says the Catholic minister <laughs> <laughs> go
3: on Carl yeah.
2: the floor is yours there, there are
3: so many things I could say right now but at the risk of uh, not offending someone somewhere I'll keep my unlike a Catholic priest I'll keep my powder dry <laughs>
2: um, but, but again a sign of things to come we've actually seen like little bits of this between the you know, the TNT stuff and Bishop getting flack for, for the angle with, uh, with Kimberly and now this it's like that this this direction they're going, swimming in sleaze, that the the warning signs are there very, very early on. Well it's actually happening in the first place that the warning signs are there. It's it's no longer just the whispers in the uh, the village voice and and Phil Mushnick's column in the New York Post. This is actual definitive action being taken to kind of uh, push back on the on the, on this approach.
3: It's funny we've we've talked about sort of the, the wheels coming off WCW at some point and, and it's not reflected in the numbers as as surprising as, as it is to me how competitive they still are and that they're still winning weeks
2: well, to, to be fair to them um, again we'll say it here it's not even competitive they're doing their best numbers ever
3: yeah which you know I, I'd, I'd always been of the the impression as i say, that they had been strong during this period but how how resilient their numbers have been on the base of what they're serving up um to this stage really surprised me the the management chaos is striking and and again th- things that I didn't know about like the fact that um, there was a precedent for what had happened at Halloween Havoc with that happening at at, um, at Road Wild. you know things like that it, it completely uh, bypassed me over time so really fascinating and it's just even at this stage you know all those red flags all those mistakes that they could have learned from during this period to avoid the mistakes of the future that they just, yeah, maybe ignorance is bliss, or willfully ignore, and and to think all this is going on again against the backdrop of the Time Warner merger as well, because that's really picking up steam at this point. So it's just, just, just the, the sort of the cha- you've got the chaos that the WWF shows on TV as their hook to contrast with the chaos behind <laughs> the scenes in WCW. <laughs> all coming together to create what is effectively an exciting time for us and record numbers yeah,
0: it's
1: like
0: talk about uh, mistakes not learned it's because obviously that because formula because of the numbers there that formula yeah. is still doing numbers so it, they're not smart enough to or maybe just scared to, no, it's, it's, no it's not scared it's, it's not smart enough hubris to yeah possibly to, to not change they, th- well, they just don't th- they, th- they think that the over-saturated a saturated celebrity involvement is a key factor that these bullshit concerts are a key factor in <laughs> keeping some kind of different vibe to their show I the don't density. know <laughs> why do you keep doing it though? oh yeah if, if they look at the numbers and they think it's a variety it's a variety show and these things they're not smart enough to realise that they're detrimental because <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> you can't so, look at the gates certainly in Road Wild so yeah it. so again it's like oh you but in their mind it's, a, it's like a, a different flavour of show and variety's good numbers uh, the numbers are the numbers okay they might lose their shit every couple of weeks when they lose one but as I said the powers are still there to draw them so there's, they're, they're blinded by the numbers and not realising the uh, the damage that they're doing and the mistakes they make because yeah, it's not really hurting
3: them uh, so so I guess it's kind of like uh, to use sort of analogy I guess it's kind of like uh, the dam that's, that's taking the build-up of water and the build-up of pressure, it's doing its job, it's you know, it's doing its job brilliantly, but under the surface there's the cracks that no one can see and eventually the dam is just going to burst.
0: Yeah, but I think we could all see him. But, yeah, it's just, just, but he's still doing his job, so, ah, it's alright. It's not, it's actually, it's like, you know what, those cracks are needed, because it's still working.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, if he took the cracks
0: away it wouldn't work anymore. Yeah, if you fixed the cracks, to try to make it better maybe it wouldn't do his job as well as it is doing it now. Yeah. I don't know. No. It sounds crazy, but it's not far off, I don't well, think.
2: it's... Yeah, it's. You, you can imagine <laughs> it's
3: what they were
0: thinking.
2: <laughs> they fucking boy in Jay Leno!
0: Ian, yeah. these, <laughs> these aren't things in retrospect that we're now picking apart. Which we thought at the time. Yeah. So... Yeah, everything is just they keep repeating the same fucking mistakes
2: yeah. Goldberg and Sting is, is yeah. great. That's the exact cycle That the whole thing when we say, we're going to do this but we're not going to repeat the mistakes of Sting and they do absolutely everything the same because Hogan's got the power that he did before so absolutely telling time very fascinating two months here because we leave with both sides somewhat feeling like they're either a level, level playing field or it's still all to play for at this point uh, a lot of kind of uh, there's a lot of stuff going on at the same time here and I'm, I'm, again, I, I cannot wait I love doing these timeline shows and I can't wait to get to the next one to see uh, the next two months of fallout with that said, we've had a great deal of fun talking about July and August of 1998 in the Monday Night War timeline, we will be revisiting the timeline uh, in very short order, looking forward to that and uh, we will of course be back next week here at SCG Radio for more so, for Q O'Rourke i Rock,
0: just uh, checked my Twitter account at Wrestling Profit and despite my um, diatribe on wrestling fans the other week and my general lewdness um, and my uh, depravity, I'm up to 73. Points. Oh, yeah, staggering. Pretty much like Raw, like, you know, controversial. Cash, yeah, apparently so. Although there is no cash.
2: <laughs> and <poor Carl> Jones. <sighs> I'm going
1: to
3: go back to my ditch
2: now. <laughs> I am Limo Rook and we are at it. We'll talk to you next week.